and lovely horror podcast. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to cop a little bit of old mega Mega madness. Mega madness. Super madness. It's so sick. That song yeah. is awesome. It only plays real briefly in this movie. Yeah, it For does. For a joke. Yeah. Yeah, pretty Can much. Can you imagine, like... You're the musician being asked to do that. They're like, we're only going to use like a few seconds. And he was still like, no, I'm going to write a whole song. Well, what I'm kind of discovering is that Michael Sambello that did that song is a fucking badass. He is awesome. Yeah. I mean, Flashdance song, Maniac. Mm -hmm. That was him. Confirmed badass. Monster Squad. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. Man, fucking rock until you drop. Yeah. That song is a 20 out of it 10. It really is. It's awesome. It's the best. I wonder if he had anything to do with the rap at the end, though. Because that was... Okay, that's a struggle. That part is yeah. a struggle to get through. It's true. Mm-hmm. Welcome, dead and lovely <laughs> listeners, to this week's installment of Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie podcast in all the known multiverse here with the host with the most whites. It's me. It's me, Uncle Ben. It's me, Hollywood Steve. It's really him, y'all. I can confirm. It's Woo! really him. This is not an impersonator. Yeah. The Illuminati have not, you know, kidnapped the I original and cloned him. I, I understand your skepticism. Yeah. I get your doubt. Sure. Why would I be here? May I touch the hem of your robe? You may, and it will heal you. It's so supple and soft. Yeah. Did well, you get that at LL Bean? I did. I went to LL Bean Jerusalem. Oh wow. LL Bean Jerusalem. They have robes that you can wear. Healing mm. powers. If you're, you know the type okay. to heal people with just your shadow mm-hmm. and an ll bean robe and an ll bean robe yeah this is ll bean season it is it's cold as hell christmas time is the season christmas time in hollis queens yeah <laughs> <laughs> mom's in the kitchen cooking collard greens that's correct yeah. okay I, I thought that that's where you're going with well, that. i heard that today wonderful how are you doing uh, this week steve oh, I, I just heard christmas time in hollis queens earlier today and i oh shit improved my fresh days. on your mind huh yeah so things are going good for you. Is things what you're are going me. pretty great, actually. Yeah, things are going good. <laughs> um, I've been having a. I, it's just a kind of slow week. Just yeah. doing a lot of work. Um, my wife went to Chattanooga yesterday. Oh so. yeah, to the Nuga. What's happening yeah. up there? Up in Chatty Town. She's got family down there. Ooh yeah. <laughs> so she and her mom went to see family. So it's, and it's I just hung a out bachelor with my dog. pad with you. Is that you and that dog? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a bachelor, I guess. Yeah, bachelorette. Yeah. I think so. So we had a bachelor bachelorette party. She's single, ready to mingle. <laughs> I don't know if she's ready to mingle. One bad bitch looking for she another. She is a bad bitch, though. That's she's it. a pretty bad bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spelled B-H-A-D-B-H-I-T-C-H. <laughs> like bad, bad baby. Bitch. <laughs> Wait, you know about bad baby, right? No. Oh, it's the Catch Me Outside girl. Oh. She was nominated for a Billboard Award for Best Hip Hop For album. being a moron. No. No, I actually, think, really? Yeah. The fuck why apparently it was an okay album or they didn't have a lot uh, to choose from what mm-hmm. well that's the worst news i've heard in a long time steve that's pretty bad <laughs> Wait, that's pretty bad you news. just learned that max records from i am a serial killer is in uh, uh the the, the, <laughs> where the wild, where things, the wild are. things are now that is extremely terrible news yeah i really wish you hadn't pointed that out to me <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, check out the newest video over on our YouTube channel. It's yep. our recommendation for the top five horror flicks on the Netflix December 2018 <laughs> edition. Go scope that out and learn how much I fucking hate Where the Wild Things Are. God, I hate it so much. I hate it. It's the worst. I've had a crazy week, Steve. 
Yeah, I it know. has been intense, especially this weekend. It was it was like never ending weekend. Man, it was intense. But it did end. It did. That was as a kid. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. The never ending story didn't appeal to me much, and I've said this before in the past that it, I wasn't a huge fan of it. But the thing that really irritated me about it is mm-hmm. that it ha- it doesn't like it ends. It does happen, very yeah. clearly with the song "Never Ending Story." Mm-hmm. You got a point. That irritated me as a kid. Yeah. And then they made a sequel, and I was like, "No, this is just mind blowing." <laughs> You're keeping it going. Yeah. What? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so I got a call uh, late Thursday night mm-hmm. from my good buddy Blackie Rose. Black, yeah. Blackie Rose is the bass player of Skank Banger. Uh-huh. He's also the guitar player for the Boogie Nights. Okay. Which, uh, the Boogie Nights are a local disco and funk cover band that is awesome. I played a show with them about two months ago at that Jewish wedding. Yeah. That was not very Jewish because there was shrimp and ham. Together? Yeah. Living I mean, first off, they unison. can't have the, either of those, but aren't yeah. you supposed to not combine meats or it, something? There was like a jambalaya that had all the meats in it. What the hell? Did they, they, they just pour some milk in there and get tattoos? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, y- you might be onto something there. <laughs> so I played a show with them a couple months ago, and um, Chris called me Thursday night. Uh, Chris, Black Heroes, uh-huh. same person. And he's like, hey, man, I've had like a family emergency kind of come up. He's like, could you cover for me playing guitar for Boogie Nights Friday night and bass for Skank Banger Saturday night? What? Yeah. Davy Stranger played bass? Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. I bet he was so confused. I mean, it's it's like a guitar, but bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes the it makes the daddy noises. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the mommy noises. <laughs> the daddy noises instead of the mommy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I am... Absolutely stealing that. Okay. Absolutely good. stealing that. I pretty much stole it from Reese Darby <laughs> on Flight of the Concords when he called the bass the daddy guitar. <laughs> and his regular guitar, mommy guitar? Yeah. That's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. God, that's great. <laughs> so I hadn't gone over any of these Boogie Night songs in months because uh-huh. I haven't played with them. Well, it's bass, so... Oh, that was the guitar gig. That oh, was the guitar. Was the guitar. Yeah. I was going to say bass in a funk band. What are you doing? Barely Slapping anything. and popping? What? Just slap and pop. So I uh, kind of had, well, I had like lessons all day Friday, so I didn't really have any time to review anything. Mm-hmm. But w- you know what? Went to the show, went and conquered. Feats of musical Nailed strength. It. Feats of musical yeah. strength. But that was only the beginning of the weekend because, see, I had barely eaten anything before the show. I thought I'd have time to like eat some before we played because right. it was at a Wild Wing Cafe. Okay. And so I basically hadn't eaten anything before we started playing. It's about a three-hour show. I definitely do some drinking during the show. Uh huh. So I got a pretty good buzz going on, and then after we played, which is to say, you know, around like midnight or uh-huh. something like that, I'm like, I'm gonna order a dozen hot wings and eat these. Obviously. Yeah, I'm over thirty. I've not eaten and I've drank <laughs> on an empty a stomach. Great idea. Yeah, my day tomorrow is gonna be super busy. Uh-huh. Uh I should do this. Yeah. I said I, I won't be in the bathroom. And my butthole will not be on fire. Boy, was I ever wrong. You were. I was wow. extremely incorrect. <laughs> Dude, like, I got home from that show and got in bed around, like, 4 or 5. And 4 or 5 a.m. Yeah. And I think I woke up the first time around 6.30 a.m. And it was like, oh, Satan's massaging my innards right now. Oh. 
and uh, got just, the mud butt. It was just horrific. Mm-hmm. It was awful, and it was the kind of thing where it's like I couldn't really like lay down and go back to sleep. I had like indigestion and stuff, so oh. I had to like, sit up all night, which means you're not really sleeping. Yeah, and so I pretty much didn't sleep. That I sucks, man. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. I crawled out of bed around like two, two or three p.m. Uh huh. And I have to be at soundcheck in Knoxville at four. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much just like got up, felt like fucking death. I just felt horrible. Packed my shit in the car. I didn't have time to run through any of the Skankbanger songs on bass. I've never played any of those fucking songs on bass. None of them. Yeah. I've only ever played guitar in that band. So you were just figuring it out as you went. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I'll wake up tomorrow and have time to go through some of the hard spots. No, I woke up in time to go to soundcheck. Yeah. And feel like fucking death. All day. All day, I felt horrible. I mean, I'll be honest with you. This sounds like you're in a hair metal band. It kind of does, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Only I didn't have any, like, blow to help me recover my my powers. There was no source of blow, so Mm -hmm. that was a goner. So, but, you know, hey, we played the show. I got my my stage health where I started feeling better. Yeah. Just because I was in front of people and it was exciting and stuff. It was pretty fun. I I was wearing a, a pirate shirt. Uh-huh. Bandana and, and some leggings and stuff. Periodically throughout the show, anytime there's dead space in between songs, you hear some someone from the crowd go, Pirate. <laughs> Just in general, it's like pirate. Okay. <laughs> was the was the room feel like filled with like two year olds that were just learning words? <laughs> Dog <Pirate>. Kitty. <laughs> no, the room was full of people that were fucking plastered. Yeah. Because it was the last stop of a ugly Christmas sweater bar crawl that started at 2 p.m. Awesome. So by 10.30... Jesus. They were obliterated. Like, the owner of the fucking venue, uh-huh. Scott West, came backstage and was like, this is the most trash crowd I've ever seen. <laughs> and we're like, oh, great. And we not even started. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. That's it went awesome. really well. So, yeah. Feats of musical strength went uh-huh. great. Had a little Christmas party thing the next day on Sunday. And then today, which is Monday, we went to the vet and were able to pick up and bring home our little man, Attila, who's been in the veterinary hospital with kidney failure for two weeks. The little man is back in action. Woo, buddy. And he's here just peeing in the floor like he don't even care. That's right. And being cute. Yep. He does that. Because he's like, you know what? You fucking paid Mm $3,700 to get me out of that animal hospital. Like you're gonna kick me out of the house for fucking pissing in the floor. Yeah, now I can do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. He's this like, was all just investment. a cry for attention to see if I could get away with it. And he can. <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy he's back though. Yeah, he's a cute little guy. I'm he's glad he's back too. He's my guy. He's my guy. So needless to say, it's been an extremely busy week, and I want to say too, like, thank you so much to everybody who listens to the show or watches my YouTube channel or whatever that has reached out to check in on Attila. Like, yeah. I mean, seriously, a million people have hit me up asking how he's doing and stuff. Why would Really they? nice of everybody yeah, to, I mean, to care. The thing is, like, if you say that your grandmother is dying or something, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm sad. Yeah. But, like, I don't know your grandmother. She but, could be a bitch. Yeah, yeah. But I can assume about any dog probably that cool. I'd probably like it. Yeah. yeah that's a good <laughs> probably point. Probably be cool. You know what? It. it actually is... It actually is easier to be sympathetic when somebody's yeah. like, yeah, my pet's going under. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they're probably good. It's like, meanwhile, your your meemaw probably fucking yeah. loves Trump and hates yeah, black people. Yeah, racist old and, lady or something. Yeah, yeah like, a little right. harder for me to feel bad for you there. It'll be real sad when she goes. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad she won't be able to vote anymore, am I right? Darn. Oh. Yeah. 
So I've had a really, really fucking busy week, and I'd like to raise a toast to everybody awesome. who has helped uh, helped us through these trying times. What are we drinking here, Steve? We're going to have ourselves a dogfish head. This is the 90-minute Imperial IPA. Oh, wow. So this came straight from Cyrodiil. Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. correct. Yep. yep. And... Uh, <laughs> Few people who play Elder Scrolls games were just like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> okay, awesome. I'm glad now you've yeah. explained that to me. I didn't get it. Imperial IPA. So what? What is it? It's the hops, right? They're Imperial hops. I have no idea. I don't what the know what the Imperial Steve. part means. Because I mean, there's also like Imperial stouts and stuff. Yeah. Right now, the notorious RDM is just like fucking. Yeah, he's screaming at. He's he's got his, device. his fingers like pressed up against the oh bridge of his God. nose, like These oh my fucking, fucking God. So educate us sometime on the Facebook group there. RDM, yeah, that'd be real. good. Give that thing a try there. I had one of these the other night, and it got really good to me. The 90-minute is all, always amazing anyway. That's good, isn't it? That is more like a stout than an IPA. It has yeah. more of that character. That's real good. Yeah, it's got... It's real brown it's, sugary, isn't it? Yeah, brown yeah. sugary. It's got a little bitterness to it. But yeah, it's got it's got a lot of flavor. Yeah, but it's still like really clean, mm-hmm. you know? Those are some of the first IPAs I really enjoyed, like the 60 and the 90. Yeah. Yeah, that um, that 90, is, it's good. Yeah. But that, this Imperial, yeah, it's got a lot to it. I think it's like 8 or 9% too. Oh. Yeah, shockingly smooth, man. <laughs> so I've been too busy to really watch much of anything this week, Steve. What oh. have you been watching? I have been re-watching the Ricky Gervais show. What is that? Which is the animated version of the the podcast that he and Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington had together. Now that was was that a while ago? He's been a long time. Yeah, I want to say he's one of the first guys that kind of like caught on to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. He, he? he was he's one of the first. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's um, man, the I I've watched it before. My wife and I watched it. it used to be on HBO. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they took it off, but it's I love it. I love. Because Carl Pilkington really is like either the greatest character ever played by an individual mm-hmm. or the m- most unique individual in the world. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I, I know him. I feel like it's a character. I, like, there's a debate about it. A lot of people say, no, no, that's just him. Oh, but, like, okay. he seems so, like, he's so inquisitive, but, like, all of his theories are batshit. <laughs> Like, or real dumb. But at the same Just time, like, it's like you've we, met that person. I don't know that I know. Okay. No, right, like right. Carl Bilkington is like, he has elements of people you've met. Yeah. But like, it's to such an extreme that it's like, no, there's no way. Like, he said that, uh, <laughs> that we should only help one, like one set of people every year. Okay. So this right. year, if you're starving, we give you food. Okay. Next year we help people in wheelchairs or whatever. All right. Okay. And and Ricky and Steven are both just like, okay, but what about the people that are starving next year? Well, figure it out. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? Figure it out. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's real fun to watch because it's just like so many times where you're like, what are you saying? Yeah. But then sometimes he will just say some like super intelligent, like philosophical sort of point, but he can't get it out right. And so Steven and and um, Ricky are laughing their asses off at him. But if you think about it a little bit, it's like, no, he's right. He just can't say it. He can't say the words right because he's, he's dumb. 
Wow. But he's like... But there's a, there's a logic there, too. There's a logic to it. Yeah. Th- there was this girl that uh, Kate went to high school with that was such a fucking moron. Like, it was unbelievable what an idiot this girl was. Okay. But she'd say this shit where there was like, oh my God, you're you're kind of right. Yeah. Like, somebody got in this chick's car one time, and both of the side view mirrors were just like pointed down, like at the road. Okay. Like, you couldn't see the cars behind you. They were pointed at the road. All right. And somebody was like, uh, your, your side mirrors are all fucked up. And she's like, no, they're not. It's so you can see if you're between the lines on the road. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But, but it's, there it, is kind of a logic, a logic there. There's a logic to it. Sure. Yeah. Like, Do you think the front of your car and the back of your car are in different places? <laughs> You're not driving like you're not Tokyo drifting everywhere. Well, maybe she you're was. driving in a straight line. <laughs> but yeah, no, I see the logic. To yeah, that. yeah. So it's that kind of it thing. It would be is what hard you're to be like, like you'd have to be like, well, yes, well, that, that works. Yes, that's true. But that does work. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's not untrue. the reason. <laughs> I got to check that out. So you said you've been watching those what like on YouTube or something? Yeah, YouTube. Uh, okay. Yeah, it used to be on HBO, but uh, it's great. I, I really enjoy it. You hear a lot of. The just most outrageous ideas you would ever hear. And also, he uh, apparently came up with the plot for two future Black Mirror episodes. Holy shit. And it's just so weird because like, when he's telling Steven and Ricky about it, they're just like, this is the dumbest idea. Nobody would ever want to watch this. And yeah, then, yeah. like 10 years later, it's on Black Mirror. And everybody's watching it. And everybody's it. watching it. Good God. It's crazy. That's awesome, man. There's a couple of cool trailers that came out this week. Yes, there are. Did you see that Avengers trailer? I sure did. What do you think about that? It looks great. I'm, I mean, like, they could only screw it up. Yeah. Like, all they have to do is just do what they've been doing. It could be underwhelming and still be one of the better comic book movies. Oh, for yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, the thing about the trailer for this is it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, no, I'm going to go see it. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, obviously, like they don't have to advertise. Like, the trailer is there to entice you to see the movie. Of course you're seeing this fucking goddamn Mm -hmm. movie. Of course you are. Yeah. That should be be the trailer right there. I think It doesn't even say Avengers. It's just a black screen, and it's a guy going, you know what this is about. Of course you're going to go fucking see it. Come see it. Yeah. Asshole. And that's all. And people are like, that's probably about Avengers. Of course I'm seeing it. (laughs) I think it's just to fuel theories. Because the more people That's have probably, theories about yeah. it, the more they talk about it, the more yeah. excited they are. To You're probably it. right, man. Yeah, it seemed like I just watched it one time before we started recording, but there's probably a lot of stuff that I believe I missed in there. Yeah, there's also because you haven't seen Ant Man, no, and the Wasp, no, I haven't. So I didn't you understand didn't, the significance of seeing yeah. Paul. I was just like, I was excited because it was Paul Rudd. It's like, oh, Paul yeah. Rudd showed up. Cool. <laughs> Why are they questioning that Paul Rudd is here? Yeah, get him in there. He's gonna be fun. <laughs> He's going to be more entertaining than That's you remember. True. That's true. Yeah. Every single time. And you're going to be like, you're what now? 50 something? Is he really? He's got to be. He was in he Clueless. He was yeah. an adult in Clueless. He's one of those guys that has always looked the same. Yeah. On always Handsome. Will. Yeah. I'd like to hang with that dude. He seems oh, yeah, like a for solid sure. hang for sure. He also seems like the type of guy who probably doesn't want to hang out. Probably that yeah. too. Yeah. Not that he would be a dick about it, but yeah. he's probably just like, no, I, eh, I, I have like a real great life and yeah. don't you're, need to meet you. Yeah, your presence isn't really going to make it better. Yeah. 
kind of good as it kind of topped off. I so, get that too. I, I wouldn't totally be insulted yeah. in the least. No, not people at all. who are insulted that their favorite celebrity doesn't want to talk to them. It's like, you know why you want to talk to the celebrity. Yeah. Now think about why the celebrity would want to talk to you. Yeah. They don't fucking know who you are. And think about the way you're approaching him, which is most likely with the biggest, goofiest grin on your face. Yeah. And the like <sighs> eyes on them, like, I know everything about you. <laughs> you imagine someone approaching you like that. That's true. Not interesting. Just think about it sometime, mm-hmm. y'all. I'm excited. <laughs> like, they, they're definitely playing up the whole Iron Man's in dire straits kind of yeah. thing which so, you know that's the big talk yeah he's gonna fucking die he well i mean captain die. america died in the comics right and right, right. chris evans they've all chris evans you know after he was done shooting basically said like end of an era or something oh really but of course that could just be part of the or that could also mean the death of iron man either way yeah that's true yeah. uh i mean someone did point out that his ship looks like a sparrow and sparrows are representation of the end of a voyage but, Are they now? Yeah, but people were misinterpreting that. The end of the voyage, the sparrow's representation of the end of the voyage because you were getting toward land where sparrows oh, can fly gotcha. out to see and go right, back. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Meaning he's getting to a place where he'll be safe instead Ew. of the end of a journey as in he's dying. Suck on that, nerds. Yeah. Deal with it. So take that, <laughs> everybody. You know, I uh, at, at this at this point... If it did conclude with a big heroic Iron Man death, I wouldn't be sad. He's had a great yeah, run. I would be has. sad because I just want more. Because yeah. Robert Downey as Iron Man, he's great. He's it perfect. Couldn't be more perfect. Yeah, but Chris Evans, he couldn't be more perfect. Like they're all just perfectly cast. But Captain America is nowhere nearly as cool as Iron Man, so I'd be way more okay with him dying. Captain America is nowhere nearly as cool as Iron Man, but the MCU Captain America is cooler than any version of Captain America. You know what? That is. A hard truth. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that yeah, like is absolutely of, correct. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people, you know, people who do read comics be like, well, he's not like that in the comics. But it's like, well, if you've read Marvel comics, you know, first off, there are a million different Earths. Yeah. And they're yeah, exactly like they're infinite different Captain Americas, and mm-hmm. he's going to be different in every single one of them slightly. Yeah. And some of them dramatically. It's mythology. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's allowed to change. And I, I like that he's strong enough to stop a helicopter from taking off in MCU. He couldn't do that in the comics. Right, yeah, yeah. He was, like, a little stronger than a regular dude. Yeah, he's just stronger than most people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I wouldn't be super sad if he died. I would be bummed out if Robert Downey's Iron Man goes out. But, mm-hmm. again, he's had a fucking great run. He's played Iron Man yes. in how many movies? Yeah. Including the Spider-Man flicks and stuff. Like, jeez. <clears throat> he's gotten a lot out of that character. Yeah, I would hate... Honestly, I would hate if any of them died. I don't know why they wouldn't just pay them the money to keep them on. I know yeah. I know yeah, that really. it's, it's real hard on your body, so I would understand why somebody would want to leave it. That's why... Uh, what's his name who played Wolverine? Uh, oh, yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. He was just like, I can't do it anymore. It's just too much Wow, really? work Yeah, to keep up that body. He's like a lot older than you'd think he is, yes, too. Yes, he is. Yeah. I think he's like in his 50s, if not close yeah. to 60 or something. So I understand why they'd want to leave. Yeah, yeah. But God, if I if I were Marvel, I'd just be like, whatever you want. Who do you want a solo movie out of next? Well, I I, I've wanted a, a Black Widow solo Same, movie dude. the whole time. Like, Fuck a, yeah. and people who are like, well, she doesn't have any interesting stories. What do you know about Black Widow? She has yeah, a really. million interesting stories. Yeah, she's I mean, a fucking super spy. Yeah, there there are so many stories they could do. 
especially now that they're getting into the Spider-Verse. I mean, that's Sony, but I bet they could I bet they could bring that all together. Yeah, really. And I mean, I haven't seen Venom, but I, I would like to see the Spider-Verse expanded some. Yeah. And I would also love it if they brought fucking Charlie Cox in to play Daredevil in a Spider-Man movie. Oh, man. Daredevil and bring in, uh, oh, what's his shit. name, Vincent D'Onofrio to play Kingpin. Kingpin. Have a Daredevil Spider-Man crossover oh, with shit. versus Kingpin, maybe Elektra or something. Bring yeah. in the hand. Like, um, that's all interesting. Yes, I'm on board. Sign me the fuck up for that. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about doing that. But, like, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to bring any of the small screen characters in, which sucks. Yeah. Because Jessica Jones is awesome. Mm-hmm. That kid who played Iron Fist, I don't care for, but mm-hmm. Luke Cage, that guy, well, I can't remember his name. No. But he looks fucking perfect. Yeah, it's Mr. Awesome Guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right so, on, yeah, I, I can see a million ways they go. Who who dies? I don't know. Hopefully, they don't kill Thanos. Like, oh, yeah? I mean, Thanos needs to exist. The thing is, is Marvel always kills their villains. I know. Always. Like, there's, there's never really been a lot of returning villains other than yeah. Loki, who is kind of ambiguous, really. Yeah. And who may or may not be dead. Yeah. I don't think he's dead. I don't think so either. Yeah. But we'll I'm definitely out. excited about it, man. We'll find out. When's it come out? Is it over the summer? Uh, it said April at the end of the new trailer, okay. which means they push it back up because they had pushed it. Oh, yeah. They it. moved it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We got that uh, little teaser for the new Stranger Things season three. Yeah, we found out the the titles for each of the episodes. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty. Cool. I love that show. It's fucking awesome. I like. I want to watch the first season again right now. Yeah, that that soundtrack really adds to it. Like, it, it, it really is one of those things that when I hear that, I'm just drawn back into that world. I mean, oh yeah. Well, whenever I hear that soundtrack, I see the red and black letters. Mm-hmm. Or. Conversely, whenever I see the red and black letters, I hear the hear soundtrack. soundtrack yeah. Like they really have built up such a firm, strong motif with those things. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm excited to see what they do with it. I mean, season two, I liked. Like if se- season one was a ten for sure. Okay. Season two to me was probably like a seven. Huh. Okay. Which is to say, I still really fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. Maybe an eight. Maybe an eight. You yeah. know. So All I right. can't wait to see what they do with this. And I feel like there's a lot of setup in season two. Yeah, I feel like season two expanded on. Well, I mean, that's what season or the second in a trilogy or any of those things is yeah, supposed to do. Yeah, typically does, yeah. The first should tell a concise and complete story and the second one should expand the world so you can continue on to third, fourth, fifth, and sixth season. Yeah, really. Otherwise, you're just stuck doing the same shit with the same characters yeah, in the same exactly. town all the fucking time. And that's boring. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people do love it. People watch those CBS shows over and over. You know, CBS has a show now just named FBI. FBI, it's called. It's just FBI. Like they, they, well, okay. They, I mean, one, they love their initialisms. Yeah, yeah. Their CSIs CSI. and their NCISs and oh, all yeah, that bullshit. Yeah. FBI. But just FBI. All right. I Tell mean, like I, was, I was already, I already was way off board with Quantico. Oh, wow. When ABC did an FBI show called Quantico, mm. I was like, that's like, who the fuck? Nobody fucking cares about the <laughs> FBI. Yeah. Like if so, like the furthest they could go is making a CIA show. At that right. point, it would be like, oh, you just absolutely fuck everybody. Then I got you. <laughs> cool. Here's a show about an organization that you couldn't possibly know enough about to write a show about. Yeah, really, because that's the whole fucking point. Yeah, so the <laughs> FBI. FBI. Yeah, I'll be on the watch out for that one. They also have a a, a show called Seal Team. 
seal. They're just they're not creative. They're just fucking waving the flag over at CBS. <laughs> like, we don't kneel for the anthem over here. Go Trump. <laughs> Blasting Kid Rock and peeling out in their Trans Am. Hey, man, don't drag Trans Ams into uh-huh. this. CBS is the lowest common sick. denominator. Bullshit. Man, I'm so far away from like what is on any network. Yeah. I don't know. Like if you ask me what any sitcom, what network is it on, I would have no fucking idea. <laughs> I just don't know. From uh, Yeah, because I, I keep up with that stuff. I keep up with entertainment news and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't watch those shows. Mm. Like FBI might be the best show on television. Somebody might be watching right or listening right now and being like, FBI is better than Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, I'll never know. <laughs> that's for, not that's gonna for you to understand, it. buddy. <laughs> We've been watching uh, Big Mouth a little bit. We started awesome. that, and it's it's awesome. It's really it's so fantastic. Man. I'm glad you guys watched it. It is. Like, uh, it goes places that you're like, there's. Oh my god, they just showed that. They just talked about that. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty bold. It is bold, and it's interesting watching it as a guy that didn't go through puberty in high school. Like to, <laughs> to me. You know, like I keep turning, I keep turning over to Kate, and I'm like, "Is this how it really was? Like in school and stuff like that?" She's like, "Oh my god, yes, it's it's perfect. Yeah, it's accurate. perfect. That's exactly right." In my head, public school is like Ferris Bueller or like Boy Meets World or like that's where a, there's one cool kid everybody admires. Yeah, that is not school at all. That's just my idea of what high school was like. Mm. You know? Yeah. So then to watch this show and be like, "Oh, this is exactly what it was like." Yeah. It's really pretty funny because I didn't is. I didn't really have anybody to be awkward around. Yeah, and honestly, like I would say that I guess I had a pretty easy puberty. I never really had like any like really bad like skin problems or anything. Uh-huh. I think if you got a boner, it was only in front of your mom and your brother, so that's yeah, normal. Nothing they've never seen, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. It was all pretty easy going for me, probably because I wasn't surrounded by people that you know were fucking cool that I looked up to or like yeah. chicks or anything like that. So Yeah, being yeah. My I've voice didn't really th- crack either. Yeah, yeah, going through like actually wanting to have sex with people who are also going through puberty is the worst. It has to be hell on earth. It is. Cause it it's is. just like here's the thing, man. When you're that age and all those hormones and stuff are kicking in, you're effectively a lunatic. Yeah, because you don't know how to deal with them. Yeah, because but you're also you're going to school with other people who don't know how to deal with them. But you're learning most of your lessons from them. Yeah, so you're picking up all the wrong ways to deal with everything. (laughs) And then nobody talks to you like they should. That's why I love Big Mouth is that it talks to kids like you should be talked to, which is like just being clear. Like yeah, yeah. You you dick. You're gonna grow shit on your dick, and you're gonna want to fuck everybody, but not everybody wants to fuck you. But they do want to fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's just they don't know. You just like you don't know what to do. Yeah. So like, just relax. Everybody's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about it, right? Yeah, it, it is really ultimately everybody has all these new hormones and stuff just coursing through their bodies. Uh-huh. It's like being on drugs. Yeah. I mean, those kinds of endorphins and, and hormones and stuff are uh-huh. like being on drugs, and you've never been on drugs before at that point in your life. Uh-huh. Well, most of us. <laughs> so I can only imagine you get several hundred of those stinky fuckers locked in a school together. Yeah. It has to just be the worst, most Mm -hmm. awkward shit. And anybody, that's the thing, man. And again, this is just me guessing. I assume that anybody in that age group that's going through that stuff that is acting confident and secure Mm -hmm. and sure of themselves is the best actor in school. Yeah, that's it. It's acting. 
Like, there's no way anybody feels they're okay. Also, I mean, you know, there are also people who are sociopaths and stuff. <laughs> That's so, very true. Yeah, I, yeah. Some of those people are <laughs> sociopaths. But a lot of them are just real good at acting. Or they were just, like, well-supported by their family and stuff. So they don't know they shouldn't be confident. And they have the right friend group that has never, you know, called them out in front of everybody because they're assholes. Yeah, yeah. Like, they just got lucky enough. And some people go through that their entire life and then become president. Maybe they do. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> honestly, I would say every single person who's become president has gone through that exact thing their entire life where I'm sure nobody ever questioned them. Yeah. Because sure how else would you get the thought in your head, I should be in charge? Yeah. How else do you look around at the world and see everybody and be like, you know who should be in charge of these people? Me. Me. Probably mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I could do this. <laughs> Oh, God. Who who the fuck ever would want that job? No, I don't know. Now, Steve, as we step here into the preview palace... Welcome to the preview palace. Before we start reviewing this week's movie of choice, which is Gremlins. Groblarbs. Groblarbs from 1984, the year of my entry upon this great planet. I thought you were going to say the year of the rat. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. I think it was chicken. No. That I think was it actually me. is the year of the rat. I'm pretty maybe, sure. Maybe it's the year of the rat. Yeah, I think 84 is, if I'm not mistaken. You know, this movie is all about Christmas. Kerps. It's all centered around a Krimbus gift uh-huh. that goes awry and so uh-huh. forth. So I think in order to stay in with that theme, before we get into reviewing the movie, Steve, I just want to... I want to curl up by the fireside with you. I want to look at the twinkling lights on the tree. Mm-hmm. Maybe sip some hot cocoa or cider. Which do you prefer? Uh, well, of those two, I would say cider. I, I so love too, chocolate, yeah. but hot cocoa just doesn't it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I like some I like a hot cider with some spice around yeah, in there. Yeah. That gets good to me. Yeah. Well, I want to swaddle up and stare at the Christmas tree with you, and I just want to reminisce. And Steve, I want for us to talk about maybe our top five favorite Christmas gifts. That we have ever received at this time of year. Awesome! How I want to do that. All right, let's let's go ahead and get into it here. Hell yeah! You just you just tell me a warm, cozy fireside story here as I as I stoke the fire with my pokey stick. Well, one of the earliest that I remember getting that I was super excited for was yeah. a Casio keyboard. A Casio, the yeah, classic eighties kind of the size of the keyboard you have behind. Yeah, me. Old yeah, forty nine keys. Yeah, had the had you know came with drumsticks. Oh that you yeah, could hit yeah. Had the pads stuff. and stuff. Uh, it didn't have pads. You could just hit the drumsticks against stuff, and you could change oh. the sound that the drumstick made, and depending on how hard you hit it. It would be louder or softer. Really? So you could turn you could turn your dog into a drum set. If you wanted to. Turn your dick into a drum set. I did. Turn an ass into a drum set. I did that as well. Damn. Yeah. You were living the damn dream with uh-huh. that thing. I did those two things, and then I was like, eh, I don't want to learn how to play piano. I was going to say, like, I never knew that you were, that, that no. you gave music a shot. I didn't. I mean, I did, but, like, my shot was like, I'll think of a tune in my head, but I can't play it. Never mind. <laughs> That was it. It's like me with my story ideas I come up with. Yeah. But what I do is I just text them to you and you yeah, make something like, out of them. Yeah, there you go. See, that's the way it should work. Yeah, exactly. I, like, it's still, I think, at my grandparents' house. Dude. It probably still works. I would love to fuck around with yeah. that. I'd love to get some I of those great it. vintage 80s Casio tones, dude. It ha- and you could, like, you could record... Like a loop on it and stuff, and it also had you know beats and stuff in the background that you could play, but they were all the same. Okay, like a samba beat, doom, a doom, waltz, doom, 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 yeah. Doom, doom, doom. yeah, just real straight stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. I loved it though. I play, I mean, I played with that thing 
well into my teenage years, and I got it when I was six. Damn. Yeah. Wow. My da- Well, my uncle worked at Radio Shack. And okay. Got my dad a super duper deal. So. That's tight. Yeah. Radio Shack, Casio keyboards, uh-huh. dads. Nobody knows what we're talking about anymore. I know. Everybody's like, what is this? This isn't the 90s. Well, that wasn't either. <laughs> it was the 80s, you yeah. little shits. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like a Crimbus to remember. What do you get, Ben? What's, what did you get that you love? When I was making my list and I was thinking about the most magical Christmas gifts I ever received, definitely the first thing that popped into my mind was the year that my brother and I got Super Nintendo. Hell yeah. Without a doubt. Which would have been, oh man, I should know that. What year did Super NES come out? 90, 91? maybe? Something like that. Yeah. So I would have been six or seven. Uh-huh. And I had played one over at my friend Shannon's house, and I was like, I absolutely have to have this. By that point, like video games were already taking over my life. And definitely when I got Super Nintendo is when um, my obsession reached new heights. Yeah. Because we got that thing, and we got uh, we got Super Mario World, of course. Okay. Because that came with the system. Uh-huh. Which is still one of the greatest 2D side-scrolling games of all time. It's great. It's pure yeah. magic. Tight wife, controls. When we lived in uh, Highland Park in, yeah, yeah. in L.A., my wife was playing through that, and then she also did Mario 64. I think I remember you talking about yeah. that maybe like on one of the really early episodes yeah. or something. She talking about she loves yeah she loves those Mario games, man. They're real fun. They're so fucking good. And those those early Mario titles and stuff, you know, yeah. like that like Mario sixty four and stuff, were just pure magic. Yeah, they were made to exploit the new things that that system was bringing to the table. And they did it. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too is like that's when, you know, nowadays like whenever you you went from like PS two to PS three. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, cool, yeah, this is smoother, it looks better. Yeah. Images are sharper and stuff. But when you went from 8-bit NES to 16-bit... It was like, Super what NES, just happened? Yeah, I mean, seriously, it was a quantum leap in gaming. What and is then, this, a Neo Geo? Oh, man. I actually knew one person that had a Neo Geo. I did, too. No doubt? Yeah, maybe it was the same person. It might have been. Was <laughs> it the Speeds? No. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I, I, they, they yeah. had one. They were the only people I knew that had one. Those, game, like, those games were like $120 a piece. insane. And, yeah. They were like arcade quality. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was. Do you ever play Samurai Showdown on that thing? No. Oh, dude, it was arcade perfect. It was perfect. fucking awesome, man. So we got Super Mario World and we got Mario Paint. Uh-huh. Mario Paint was awesome. It was amazing. It had like made, the mouse pad and stuff. The first time uh, I played with it, I made uh, Yoshi into uh, Reptile. From oh, Mortal snap. Kombat and had him eating Mario's head. You know how you because yeah. you could pick different bodies and different uh-huh. heads to make him. So it was like just his head going across the screen. Oh my god, that's cool. awesome, man! And it had like the music program in there yeah. too. That was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. And then there's also the Fly Swatter mini game, uh-huh. coffee break thing. Mm-hmm. So cool. We spent hours and hours and hours uh-huh. and hours. Like I that remember. Was a fun one. I mean, I remember, like, you know, of course, because we were kids, you wake up for Christmas at, like, 4 in the morning, uh-huh. and then playing it until, you know, it was, it was like, dark by then, and it was like, come on, guys, you've got to come eat, mm. and then playing it till bedtime after that and stuff. I, I Pure remember magic. hating having to go eat. Oh, yeah. yeah it's the worst. After like a while, we did, con- like, whenever I would be at my cousin's house, we had convinced my aunt and uncle to just let us take, because my <laughs> uncle and my aunt both played video games, too. Okay. So they got it at that wow. point. They were just like, okay. Because my uncle had been playing through the Dragon Warrior series. Oh, shit, yeah. And he was just like, yeah. Like, 
I'm not going to go to a kitchen table and eat or something. No, like, uh-uh. I'm going to sit here Bring and right eat my here. food. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yes, yeah, so that Super Nintendo for me. That's that has to be some of the height of just joy I've experienced from yeah. a uh, a Christmas gift in my life. I had such a good time and still still love Super NES. I agree with you 100%. That's why it was on my list as well. Fuck yeah, but I actually boy. Have, I have NES, Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64, oh. all three of which I received as Christmas gifts. I think that Super was the only system I ever got. Yeah. On Christmas. I think all my other ones, like PlayStation and stuff like that, I think I just bought got them on my came own. Out. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, or just like bought them from a pawn shop or whatever. Yeah. So you got all three of those. Just the Nintendo tr- you well, know, yeah, Trinity. Like, I mean, each time they were a mutual gift for me and my sister. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And neither of us gave a shit because it was like, of course. Fucking yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, but I think I would pick the Nintendo 64 for this, not because it's awesome. superior. Super Nintendo is superior in every way. It probably is. It has more more magical titles. But with my Nintendo 64 gift mm-hmm. from another family member, I got WrestleMania 64. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. A WrestleMania 2000 is what it was okay. called. Okay, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was the Everything THQ else was wrestling 64. Game. And it was it was made by THQ, so it was like basically the spiritual sequel to WCW NWO Nitro, which was awesome. Which was awesome. Yeah. The WrestleMania 2000. I immediately started playing it and just started the character creation because yep. you could choose every single one of your moves. Yes, dude. Every, it was so in depth. That's like you when can, uh, do you remember when Raw um, Raw's War came out for PlayStation One uh-huh. and it had the character creator and yeah. stuff, dude? We would spend hours uh-huh. on that shit. Hours and hours. It's so fun. So you did that. You just went. I deep just went. I was just doing that the rest of the Christmas. Like fuck yeah. I remember being so excited about it. That's uh, awesome. Did you make any particularly noteworthy characters that you can? Uh, a guy called the Machine. The Machine. Uh huh. He uh he he did a pretty cool little move, but specifically, I had to make Ape Man and Chimp Boy. Ape Man and Chimp Boy. Who were two characters my cousin Buddy and I had created in WCW NWO Revenge. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Out of two, because like they had, uh, they had like you know normal WCW wrestlers, and then they had like just these made up wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. One of them like was scrubs. the Executioner. Okay, yeah. We turned him into Ape Man. Okay. Because uh, I don't know if like with WCW NW Revenge, the the thing that always was interesting to me was the move list, mm-hmm. and the Executioner could do not only just normal everyday power bombs. And power bombs off the top rope. Big fan of those. But also power bombs from outside of the, like from the skirt of the ring to oh, the outside damn. of the ring. Hell yeah! Um, I remember playing this like uh, when I first went to college, playing with some other guys in the dorm yeah. who apparently didn't know anything about the game. <laughs> and at one point, I I just was beating them so bad that I like pushed them over. They were both like fatigued, like yeah, you yeah. couldn't move. I just pushed them both over to where the, the side of the ring was, got outside of the ring, and then powerbombed each one of them to the outside <laughs> of the ring. And I was just like, God, this must not be fun for them. <laughs> I know, because it's not were a fighting you, dude, game. It's were you more, also like a sympathetic gamer? Yeah. Like, I was totally that way, yeah, too. Yeah, I felt bad. Yeah, because like, mm-hmm. I, uh, again, video games were my entire life when I was mm-hmm. a kid. And like a lot of things that I do, I got just so obsessed with everything I did. That mm-hmm. I, I kind of became like just a fucking machine at whatever yeah. game I set my mind to. And like, none of my friends really like playing games. Like, they all like playing soccer and fucking baseball and shit like this. 
But it's like, you know, they'd come over and be like, hey, let's, let's try out this new game. And I'd just start whipping them so bad yeah. that I would get that, yeah, this is probably not fun for them. I should probably hang back a little yeah. bit. You know? I don't like, like, I don't like playing uh, a game with people that I, yeah. I, I'm beating. And I also don't like being competitive with other people in games that I've never played. Yeah. Where they're like, oh wow, you yeah. know the people who they're going are, for blood right away. Going, yeah, yeah, like you've never even touched this game, and they're just like, boom, yeah. like right in your face, and it's like, yeah, I mean, thanks for that. That was great. Yeah, sweet, this was real fun. You want to tell me how to do some moves or yeah. anything? Because <laughs> the thing is, is like, you know, I feel like that's less of a problem now because so many game types are just so set in stone. Yeah, but you got to think, if you're good at what. Yeah, if you're good at shooters, you're probably exactly. going to be good at yeah. this particular shooter. Exactly. But like back then, it was like, hey, Street Fighter 2. So here's the first fighter you've ever played. Yeah. What do I do? Let's figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Figure it out while I beat your ass mercilessly. <laughs> or get the EGM this month and read the whole move list and memorize it. Exactly. Which is exactly what I would do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, those video games at Christmas, man, that's just always the most magical time. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead so we can get off this topic yeah. and name another one of mine and tell you the story about it. Okay. One of my greatest and most bittersweet presents I ever received. Oh, shit. The Power Glove. The Power Glove. You got the Power Glove at Christmas? I got the Power Glove for Christmas. How stoked were you? The most stoked. How not stoked were you when you used it? Immediately devastated. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work on any game. You've been sold a bill of lies. The only way to make it work on the game was basically to hold it like a controller and use the controller <laughs> on it. I never had the power glove because even back then I knew it was shit. Yeah, it was. But, but I it wanted it so to cool. do what it did in The Wizard. Yeah, exactly. Or that on the was fucking it. commercials, either way. I mean, that movie, The Wizard, destroyed me. It made me want to uh, live in California. It made me want... My career to be gaming, and it made me want the Power Glove to be what it, it's supposed to be. And lo and behold, you did live in California. I did. I didn't make money off video games. But we could have if yep. we would have fucking stuck to it. Still could. Still could. Yeah, there's no reason we can't. Yeah. I'd have to. I'd have some catching up to do, but I could catch up to these little punk kids. Sure. No problem. I mean, honestly. I grew up 8-bit hard. The idea that hard. people are watching Twitch streamers to see the best video game players is not, that's not it at all. Mm, no. People are watching Twitch streamers to be entertained. Yeah, exactly. The personality. So the fact that you haven't played any of these games is yeah, a positive. Definitely matter. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. So I guess that's what I should do. All right. Yeah. See you guys. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can keep doing this even. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So the video games are magic until the power glove Fucking got bad shit. So I was so disappointed, and I took it back to Kmart, where my mom Kmart. got it. Kmart, wow. And That's uh, a great place to get a disappointing gift in the 80s. It is. It really <laughs> is. Um, and I, I returned it, and I was able to get two video games Holy for shit. the price of it. That didn't cost that much? Yeah, it was like 120 bucks. But... By the way, people don't remember this, but video games back then were like $60. Yeah. People still complain about how expensive video games are. The price hasn't raised no. since the 80s. Yeah. that It's like one of the rare things on earth that hasn't skyrocketed. Yeah. Like milk was probably like a dollar a gallon back then. <laughs> Seriously. You know? But yeah, you're right. Like a $60 video game in the 80s, that was, a, that was mm -hmm. a lot of money. Usually I would ask for like one video game at Christmas and I would 
maybe get it and just like a few little things. Yeah. It's totally worth it though. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I would it. give up other presents for any game yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's tight, man. Some good magical Christmas memories. So what, what else you got, Ben? Okay. So when I was about 16 years old, is when I started playing guitar. Uh-huh. And that's also when my, my dad had a heart attack. Oh, shit. Uh, and I, I believe I've told the story in the show before, so I'll, I'll run by the quick version of it. But my dad had, like, a heart attack that, that summer. And so, like, for months and months and months and months, he was on basically, like, pretty much bed rest. Like, he can't yeah. lift anything. He can't really work or anything like that. So my brother had already started working a job by then. So it was pretty much just me there to help my mom do everything around the house all uh-huh. summer. And we had like chickens and ducks and all kinds of animals and stuff. There was a lot to do. Uh, yeah, mowing mowing the property, all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. Gardening, we had a huge garden. So, and that was the same year I started playing guitar. And I was playing my brother's guitar. So we couldn't, okay. we couldn't afford to get me a guitar too. So I worked my ass off all summer in place of my dad. And uh, while I was taking guitar lessons at a guitar shop, in old Morristown, Tennessee at Lloyd's uh-huh. Music. Lloyd's, I was going to say. <laughs> yep. I fell in love with this metallic copper Ibanez RG470. Okay. I loved it. I wanted it to be mine. I'd go on, we had just gotten a computer at that time too, so I uh, I would go on the website and just read the specs of the guitar like over and over and over uh-huh. like a maniac because that's what I did a lot of back then. Being a maniac. Yeah. And a guitar, I, I bet that guitar is probably about $450. That's way more than we ever spent on Christmas. Oh, yeah. Way yeah, more. Yeah, no way. Like, I mean, getting a Nintendo 64 was my Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Luckily, yeah. somebody gave me a game to go with. Right, yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just been like, cool, I got a console. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like my brother and I, you know, we're not spoiled or anything like that. Yeah. But because I'd worked my ass off all year and because I would, I'd just immediately shown this great passion for playing guitar... Uh, I got that guitar for Christmas. I thought that it had sold. Like the the store owner knew I wanted it and stuff. And I guess my parents, you know, told him like, "Yeah, just tell him somebody came in and bought it." Oh, so man. I was like, "Oh, damn it!" You know, somebody went in and bought my guitar that I wanted. But I opened it up at Christmas. Pure Boom. magic. Pure. It's it's that one that's hanging on the wall right there. That's now the gray swirl. Hey. Yeah, that's that one. It's now been extremely heavily modified by me over the years and repainted a bunch of times. But I still love that guitar. Play with skank banger and stuff. So, yeah, getting my own first electric guitar, definitely one of the highlights. I mean, I learned how to play on that guitar. Did you immediately just bust out Johnny Be Good? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, uh-huh. I cranked up the speakers, blew my, my jacket off. Uh-huh. It was awesome. It was a great time. My parents regretted it instantly. So that's a purely magical... I mean, probably that's probably the most important Christmas gift I've ever gotten. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, yeah considering that's basically become your... Yeah. Your life's work. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. So that's a good one. Way to go, parents. You way to not screw Way to go, up. heart attack. Way to thanks, go. Thanks, Big Tobacco. Yeah, Thanks, Marlboro, for having those Marlboro miles and encouraging my dad to smoke oh, so I can get a sweatshirt. God. Yeah, a sweatshirt. Yeah. We definitely uh, participated in that program. Yeah, no, I listen, my mom had a boyfriend who didn't smoke, who would pick up Marlboro packages Holy off the shit. ground. And that like to me it was like well, then you're just going to have a shirt that just says Marlboro, but you don't smoke. You what don't do you smoke. just get a shirt? <laughs> Go buy a shirt. Go pick the, up trash. He was so cheap. The cheapest man in the world. Did I tell you, my buddy Luke, his dad used to work at the at the factory that printed off the Marlboro packages. Oh. 
So basically, so like... So he had the Marlboro Canoe. Yes. Uh-huh. Like, Luke said... Because basically, like, pretty much everybody that worked at the factory would steal these, like, rolls. They came in big rolls of the Jesus. Marlboro packages and just snip the miles out, out of them. And Luke said that they had, like, everything twice. And that's also where Luke got... So they got, had, like, the boom box. And yeah. Everything. I remember the whole catalog. Well, here's the thing. It ties together. That's where my buddy Luke got his first guitar. Holy shit. The, the Marlboro, Marlboro guitar? Yeah. And we call it the old smoker tone. <laughs> that got that smoker tone. And that's what he learned how to play guitar on. He's a badass player now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And actually, that guitar sounds shockingly good. Marlboro like, wasn't strangely good. They were like, listen, if you're going to get lung cancer... <laughs> We might as well give you something worth Here's it. Here's a nice guitar when your kids can play at your funeral, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next on your list? Okay. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to save the best for last. Save the best for this last. This one um this one is pretty high up there though. My wife got me a large stuffed monkey. A for large Christmas. stuffed monkey. We couldn't really afford Christmas presents. Yes. We still can't. Uh but Especially early in our marriage, we definitely could not afford Christmas presents. Just a couple of young Mormons in uh, Wub. And I've said this before that, uh, and I think we both had this problem where when we sleep, we'll kind of ball up our, our yeah. arm and it makes, kind of fucks with that ulnar nerve. It totally does, yeah. Yeah, and so I was having some ulnar nerve issues. I go full fetal if I'm left to my own devices. Yeah, yeah. just turn into a little ball. Yeah. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> And um, one of the things I read was if you cuddle with something, like if you wrap your okay. arms around something. Yeah. Uh, so she bought me this large Aww. stuffed monkey. We named it Jonas. And I still have it to this day. Still use it. And that monkey has watched y'all fuck like a hundred times. Oh, so many times. Dude. Oh, my gosh. That I, thing is dirty. It's real. I mean, we've cleaned it, obviously. Okay, yeah, But yeah, yeah. like internally, it's dirty <laughs> from having seen such raucous lovemaking. <laughs> That's awesome. That's that's a pretty cool story right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know that my wife and I have ever given each other like big Christmas presents because we've just never had the money to do it. So, right on. Um, that's a gift that keeps on giving and keeping you from receiving ulnar nerve damage. It is. It's the best way right to on. go, way my to wife. Go. Way to go, wife. Mm-hmm. Right on. So what what do you got next, Ben? So next is this this quality keyboard that's sitting right behind hey, me right now. Shit. We both got a keyboard on yeah, our list. This is a. Do you have a large stuffed monkey on your list? I may. Holy shit! So this is actually it's a MIDI controller keyboard. So basically, what it allows me to do is like it's not like your Casio where it has all the sounds built into it. Yeah. My computer has all the sounds built into it, and this allows me to control them. Yeah. Uh, and like play keyboard parts and drum beats and all that kind of thing. So basically anytime producing my own stuff, like the music that you're on the show and everything mm-hmm. before I got the keyboard, which is maybe two years ago, which came from my wife. Uh huh. I was Way just, to go. I was just having to like hand program and type in every note, just drawing in every single note. And it's just so fucking time consuming. It's impossible or play them on like the actual typing keyboard. Impossible. And from what I've seen, um, if I, had been a six-year-old at this time period and my my dad had given me that keyboard Mm -hmm. and i had a computer i could have just thought of a melody and poorly played it and then it just fixed it on the computer yeah yeah you can easily fix it and never had to feel like i was a failure exactly god damn you could have been like an edm star easily damn that would be awesome 
Easily, yeah. These, these DJs don't do shit on stage. They used to. They back used when to. I, yeah, sure back when to. I used to be taking drugs at clubs. Yeah. They were they were working those turntables. They're up there hustling. Hustling. Some yeah. guys still do, man. Fucking square pusher and a lot uh-huh. of those cats. Yeah. They still do. It's a different sound. I mean, you you yeah. like. I get it. Why do it when you can more easily create something on your laptop? Yeah. I get that. Sure. But the reason to do it is because it's a different sound, and you can come up with different things that you can't really do. Um, I guess you can, maybe. You can come up with a synthetic way to... But it's not as cool because we didn't grow up with it. That's and That's true. the bottom line. Yeah. It's a bottom line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that thing just really streamlined my life and made everything so much fucking easier, man. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that has been like one of the most supremely useful and... Uh, um, Let's say avenue expanding oh, pieces of gear. Oh, expanded your avenue. Ooh, ouch! Gradually. And that's what Kate did later that night. If Ooh, you know what ow. I mean. I don't know what you mean. I don't think I quite follow. I don't. Um, this is something you heard somebody say in the locker room. Thing. Yeah. 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 Locker, well, locker room he was, talk. He was locker room talk. He was like, uh-huh. "I expanded her avenue. Mm. I moved on her like a bitch." <laughs> your president. <laughs> What's next for you? Man, this is my numero uno and has been for a long time. Wow. Socks and underwear. Socks and drawers. Fuck yes, dude. I have, since I was, I remember asking for them maybe when I was seven or eight. Oh, wow. You started asked, early. Yeah. Because, like, the year before I asked for them, like, I didn't have any socks by that point. Like, all of my socks were, like, gross. Yeah. Like, holes all in them yeah, or, like, yeah. hard and shit. And I was just like, I just want some socks. <laughs> socks, maybe, please? Yeah. And when I got them and put them on, I was like, this is one of the best feelings in the world to put you know, on fresh socks. That and is I the still, thing. to this day, I was kind of more like a, a typical kid where I was just like, oh, man, socks. Yeah. But then at the same time, especially when, like, you're pretty poor. Yeah. And you put on, even, even now to this day, uh-huh. when you put on, like, a nice new pair of socks pretty badass it just happened to me recently my wife when she was at costco was like we need new socks and underwear when she came home i was like this is fucking awesome so we went to kate's uh work secret santa like work party last night Uh you know everybody draws a gift and stuff yeah the gift that i drew was it was a hacky sack Uh and it was like this dope pair of socks that had uh, like dinosaurs that were wearing like sunglasses and chains this is awesome yeah they were fucking sick and I was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I just lucked out, and then somebody stole the gift from me. What the shit? I know. I was a little upset about it. Get out of here with that bullshit. I got a, a case of Tangerine Fanta, though. Not Fanta. Fucking uh, LaCroix. A case of Tangerine LaCroix. Also, I'll take it. Yeah. Tur- turned out okay. Yeah, you didn't lose, technically. Yeah. Kate got a, uh, a pocket vibrator. Oh, cool. The guy that brought that to the party was the fucking hero of the night. Yeah. I think next year all it's gonna be is pocket vibrators, pocket vibrators, pocket pussies, dildos, yeah. fucking lube. Everybody was like, "Yes." I think that's that's got to be the best present to bring to a secret Santa, mm-hmm. because the thing is, everybody's gonna want that motherfucker. Yeah, and somebody's gonna have to reach for that thing in this crowd with their friends and stuff. That is the best icebreaker <laughs> possible. <laughs> Maybe unless it's a family secret Santa, that I don't want to do. But a friend right. or work secret yeah. Santa, man, you bring that fucking vibrator. Take that thing. You'll be the hero <laughs> of the fucking night. I guarantee. All right, next on my what list. What do you got? My wife 
Oh, you got her for Christmas? I got my wife at the Christmas. That's awesome. She arrived in the mail. Oh, wow. We make it a pizza. Together? We make it a pizza. All right. So she got me, uh, back in back in the DVD days, Uh huh. got me the box set of Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, extended man. Extended editions. Oh, man. Which, since then, it has become my yearly tradition to watch, watch all of them at Christmas time. Sometimes I make it through all of them. Sometimes it just has to keep on dragging through till New Year's. I have a feeling that that's going to be one of you know this is going to be one of those years because Where it drags on, yeah, yeah. Because especially like well, like with everything going on with Attila and everything, I have not felt a damn ounce of Christmas spirit yet. Right. So I haven't done anything. So here we are. It's like you know, fucking what's today's date? So was it? I don't know. The eleventh, yeah. I think. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Eighth. It was eighth. eighth. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. And uh, so, yeah, I have a feeling it'll drag on a little bit. But, yeah, getting that box set, truly a piece of magic that I enjoy Dude, that's awesome. year after year. Yeah. That's yeah. real nice to have. Because, like, you know. they're the best fucking movies. Yeah, I was going to say, because, like, I remember back in the day buying DVDs and stuff. And then just, like, why do I have this? Yeah. Like, I don't ever watch it. Like, having seen it once, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to purchase it. Yeah. But that... It's something you're going to go back to over and over and over. Yeah, for sure. It's great. And I have year after year. Year after year. I love them. What, what? you got, Steve? What you got? That's it? That's it for you? That was it. Did we skip one? No, did I, did I, two, one? I did two in a row. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because so I, I wanted to close out the video games. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, okay. So I'll just go ahead and I'll, I'll rattle one more off here. Mm-hmm. So um, last year... Right before Christmas, I played at a, a little benefit show for a, a friend who was in need of medical care and needed to pay for bills and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a benefit show auction thing. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of people asked me to come and play at it. And it was like, yeah, just bring your guitar and your pedal board. There'll be amps and stuff here. And so I show up, and they, I had like my guitar and my pedals and stuff. And I plug in through this little, this little light tan-colored amp. And I couldn't believe... How fucking great it sounded. Okay. It sounded amazing. And I was like, damn it. Like, I asked the dude who, who owned it. I was like, what is this that I'm playing through? Because I'd never seen an amp that looked like it uh-huh. before. It's just really plain and simple looking. He's like, it's this company called Monoprice. M-O-N-O Price. Monoprice. Right. They just sell on the internet. It's some, like, Chinese manufacturer or something. Okay. But it's this little guitar amp that has all kinds of features that much nicer amps have. It's a tube amp. It has spring reverb. An effects loop is switchable from 1 to 15 watts. has right. a Celestine speaker. Obviously. Like you do. <laughs> and the whole thing is like, depending on the model you get, they're between like 100 and $150. Dollars. They're and that's cheap as fuck. Cheap. Okay. Yeah. Like basically that Celestine speaker that it comes with is like $100. Okay. So it's pretty much like you're buying the speaker and getting an amp attached to it. Say, huh? Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, I, I went home after the show, and I was just raving about how awesome this little amp is and how I got to get one, you know, come the new year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife, Uh-oh. she got me one. It's that little box right there. Holy little tan amp. It. Yeah. And it's just a very versatile, very nice little amp. Look that at it down there. It's easy to tote around, but it's loud as hell. That's great. I get compliments, compliments on it everywhere I go, and people are just generally mad at how cheap it is. My compliments to the amp, Yeah, they say. Because that's the thing. Getting guitar stuff that's like the right stuff that you mm. want is the best at Christmas. Yeah. It's I the would, best. I would say as a general rule, it's a bad idea to buy a Christmas present for someone that's related to a hobby they have. 
you know, unless it's risky. they said specifically, exactly. I want that yeah. thing. Because like if somebody got me, it's like, oh, I got you a box of strings, and it's like they're the wrong gauge. Yeah, I don't use those. Then uh-huh. it's really worthless. Or if they get you some pedal that just sucks or something. Yeah. But whenever there's a musician in your life and he has something very specific on the list, and you can get exactly that thing. You gotta make that one happy motherfucking Christmas. I mean, if it's a musician and you don't know exactly what to get them, booze. Yeah, exactly. There you They're, go. Yeah, that's you a perfect go choice. Booze. Booze is always the best <laughs> choice. It really is. Speaking of which, Steve, let's have another let's booze it up. Let's have another drinky drink here as we get into the movie review portion of our show. I hope everybody out there is having a good Christmas season. Uh, I feel like for several episodes now, we've all just kind of. Well, me and Steve have kind of bitched about a lot of the goings on and stuff. Yeah, we've had a lot some of bad shit things. going. But now that my little buddy is back home and, yeah. and, and things are all good, I think that I'm going to have myself, I'm going to simply have a wonderful Christmas time. Do you hate that song, Steve? I don't like it. See, this but is... But you love it. I think we've yeah, talked about this before. This was news to me, to find out that people hate simply having a wonderful Christmas time. It's fucking Paul McCartney. It's Sir simply Paul. Have a Christmas time. It's got that delightful synthesizer. What's not to like? Uh, I don't know, like all of it, I think. I, <laughs> I think just can't, it's that. I want to know what it is that makes people so mad about it. I mean, it's not Mariah Carey's All I Want. Oh, well, which Christmas is the, the is greatest you, Christmas so, song. Yeah. yeah. It's the best one. Make but. my wish come true. Oh, damn, Steve. I hit it. I hit that note. Get in that mic. I got it. I got way into it. Steve, what are we drinking? We are having a Lagunitas, yes. 12th of Never Ale. Mm-hmm. And I love this one, man. It's a good one. It's nice, smooth. It is. It's a lighter offering from Lagunitas. Mm-hmm. It's like five and a half, but it still has so much fucking flavor. It does. It, it tastes like a, a Lagunitas, man. And it comes in big cans. And you can get it at gas stations. surprisingly clear. I, it kind of is. I don't think I've ever, I've ever poured this into a glass yeah, before. I, I think I've only had it in cans. Yeah, it is oddly clear. Now, Steve, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Gremlins from 1984, the year that every good movie ever came out. Yeah, a ton of them did. Yeah. This came out on the same day as, what were you telling me earlier? Uh, it came on the exact same day as Ghostbusters. Uh, one of the greatest movies uh, of all time out, ever. Uh, just a little bit after uh, Temple of Doom, which yeah. isn't great, but it's still an Indiana Jones movie. Of all the indie movies I've seen, it's definitely the second it one. It is a movie. It's the second one, mm-hmm. yeah. That's yep. without a doubt. And you also had like Nightmare on Elm Street come out that year. Uh-huh. Uh, Red Dawn. Red Dawn. The Was that the first PG-13 movie? The Red Dawn was the first PG-13 movie. Okay. The PG-13 rating, of course, was created because of Temple of Doom and Gremlins. Yeah. And I was under the impression that that must have taken, you know, probably like a year of debate or whatever. Right, right, no, right. two months. That seems Within like an two unnaturally months. short amount of time. Yeah. Well, the MPA is bullshit. Yeah, it's all garbage. And in case they're out there listening, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I'm showing my tits right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, deal and with it. And stabbing someone. Which <laughs> one are you going to believe? Yeah, yeah. Probably the tits. <laughs> but this movie came out and was uh, definitely an immediate success. It made fuck tons of movie, uh, or sorry, fuck tons of money in the box office. It did. It made... On an $11 million budget, it made $153 Holy million. Holy moly. For one, the budget of this is only $11 million? Yeah, and that was That's high. That was, they considered it high for the movie. 
Well, part of it's because those damn those damn puppets cost like forty thousand yeah, dollars to make. The puppets were major portion of everything that I, I read they had to pay for. That they were like they had a guard like check everybody's trunks uh-huh, on the way they were out. So expensive, yeah. Make sure nobody was like stealing one. Yeah, I mean this. Uh, God, that's a lot of money, dude. Forty thousand dollars of like nineteen eighty four money. That's like a house. Yeah, that yeah definitely that was like a house. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. That's a lot of money. It's also crazy to think that you could, at one point, buy a house with $40,000. Yeah. Well, my grandparents built their house in 93. It was like $100,000. Yeah. And that was like crazy Damn. to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? How? Uh-huh. Well, that's a, an amount of money that no one Six could possibly... digits. Nobody yeah. has that. Yeah. Now Damn. that's just... That's a cheap house. So, when did you see Gremlins for the first time? I... Probably 84. I mean, I know I saw it all throughout my childhood, but it, it was probably the year it came out. So when you were all but like I wouldn't two? remember it. I was, yeah. yeah, like two. I, I was two when this came out, yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So this is one of those ones that you like kind of grew up with and probably yeah. watched a lot. Yeah, and I grew up with Gizmo dolls and stuff. And cool. Like, yeah. So Gremlins was never like a horror movie to me. Mm, yeah. Though there are gross things about it. Yeah, definitely. I never really saw it as scary. It was huh. kind of funny and fun and gizmo's cute so you always liked it then yeah i always loved it and i loved gremlins too growing up as well okay so uh, we mentioned this at the end of last week's episode but like gremlins 2 came out in 90 90 okay Mm -hmm. so yeah that that makes sense because i was around five or six i had chicken pox and as i mentioned every time the ads would come on i would just fucking freak yeah out (laughs) absolutely could not stand looking at those things they terrified me (laughs) obviously i never saw the original one when i was a kid Mm-hmm. And I absolutely would not watch part two. So I think that I was probably, I was in my late teens before By the I saw time this. You saw Gremlins, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think I've only seen Gremlins two maybe once, I, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to talk too much about it because we'll definitely cover it. But yeah. I think Gremlins two is both as ridiculous as that Key and Peele sketch suggests, and a better movie than people give it credit for. I rewatched it last night, so. I, I have some thoughts on it, but I don't want to get into them for this because is it, I have so much to say about this movie. Is it kind of the Ghostbusters 2 of Gremlins? No. It's better than okay, that. Okay, it's, yeah, because yeah. the Ghostbusters 2 is, of course, trying to extend the Ghostbusters story. Yeah. Gremlins 2 is more about being, m- like, as meta as possible. Wow. Yeah. It's, like, so meta that at a certain point, the Gremlins stop the movie gremlins 2 uh-huh and start uh ha- uh hulk hogan is in the theater where it's playing what? and he stands up and intimidates the gremlins into playing the movie i again. do not remember this happening in this movie yeah it's crazy it's real weird You're there's really an electricity me- gremlin okay there's a spider gremlin i remember that that one terrified me there's an intelligent gremlin a girl no. gremlin and they're like a bat one or something there's a bat gremlin that gets turned into a, a, a what do you call it a gargoyle i'm honestly questioning if i ever saw it now because like <laughs> nothing you're talking about like the only the only things i remember about those the spider and the bat is yeah. from magazine ads which would also yeah. scare the shit out of me i wonder now if i've ever seen gremlins too dude it's like i would remember the hulkamania it pokes fun so much at itself Cool. Like there's a moment where uh, Phoebe Cates starts telling a real depressing story about something that happened to her on Columbus Day. 
Okay. And Billy's just like, okay, we, we don't have time for this. We got to awesome. move on. Yeah. Like, pokes fun at itself. It pokes really. fun at itself. It's weird. It's real strange. Okay. Very strange. And a weird, like, why wait six years to do a sequel to a successful movie? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and I think that they're waiting a hundred years before they do a sequel here soon, right? Yeah, apparently they're working on a part three that may come out by wow. 2020. So. But, I mean, uh, Joe Dante and Chris Columbus are involved. Chris Columbus is writing it. So. Oh, really? Yeah. They so. better use damn puppets on this thing, man. If they use Hopefully. CGI, it will shoot the whole thing to hell. If they use puppets and they they can somehow poke fun at themselves even more, yeah, that'd be great. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be very okay with that. Now, this movie, as you mentioned, was written by one Chris Columbus, who yeah. a lot of people know from, like, you know, doing the first couple of Harry Potter movies. For yeah, example. he uh, he directed Adventures in Babysitting. He also he wrote Goonies. Oh he wow! Directed Home Alone. Directed Miss yeah. Doubtfire. Yeah, like, pretty much. If you were a kid in the '80s, he kind of wrote a lot of your childhood. Yeah, he wrote the parts that Jim Henson didn't. That's true. That's pretty much it. Really, he's also directing the upcoming Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So a new generation of kids will be exposed to him. That's pretty interesting. Of course, they'll all be like, we're over Five Nights at Freddy's. That was like three years ago. It was kind of three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was. So he wrote this kind of as like a a spec script or something almost, right? Yeah. He wrote it like almost like an exercise. uh, And it was real dark. Yeah. Uh, and it is still, the movie we see is still pretty dark, but it was even darker. Like, the mom gets killed. Yeah. The dog gets killed and eaten. They were supposed to show the mom's head rolling down the stairs. Yeah. Like, severely, brutally killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dog is supposed to get killed. The, the scientist, uh, or sorry, professor guy at the uh-huh. school... He was supposed to have like uh, like a thousand hypodermic needles in his face, oh. yeah, rather than just one sticking out of his butt and stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of differences to this, uh, and they they kind of cleaned it up a little bit, I guess, made it a little bit more kid friendly. Do you think that was mostly Spielberg making those decisions? Yeah, um, I mean Spielberg, he let Joe Dante do a lot, and he let Chris Columbus do a lot. This was Spielberg early on in yeah. his you know executive production career. Yeah, because this is just a presents. Yeah. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was uh, Steven Spielberg, you know, becoming the monolith he is in Hollywood. Yeah, this yeah. was him early on showing he knew how to pick the right people, and he did. He picked Joe Dante, who had done up to that point Piranha, mm-hmm. uh, Rock and Roll High School. He, okay, he did the awesome. story for that, and then The Howling. Oh, so a lot of horror stuff, really. Yeah. yeah, and then Steven Spielberg had him come on for the Twilight Zone, the movie. I never saw that. Never saw. Well, it. you should, for sure. There, the segment that Joe Dante directed is called "It's a Good Life," and okay. it has an image in there that haunted me forever. Oh, damn! Um, and still does. And I, I won't ruin it for okay, you since you cool. haven't seen it. Cool, cool, cool. But, um, I'll know it when I get there. Any, though, huh? Yeah, anybody who's seen the Twilight Zone, the movie, and knows the this section, it's a good life, which is about a town that's being terrorized by a boy who can make things happen with his mind. Oh, dang. Um, there's a particular moment in that that freaked me out and still does if I think about it. I can't wait to watch it. That sounds awesome. So he had, he had a lot of experience at this point. 
Yeah, he's done a lot of horror at this point, and yeah. horror comedy because the Howling is horror comedy for right. sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's comedic elements maybe to Piranha. Piranha is a ripoff of Jaws for right. sure. Yeah. But yeah, they wanted somebody who knew horror comedy. They also wanted somebody that they liked. And they like Joe Dante. So they, they also thought about bringing Tim Burton they on They thought board, about right? bringing Tim Burton in. He had done Frank and Weenie, and it impressed a lot of people. Awesome horror short. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. It's great. But he didn't have any experience. Right. And they wanted somebody who was experienced. So he could have, have killed this movie. He, he could have done an awesome job. absolutely made a great movie yeah. out of this. Yeah. Especially if it would have been like during like Batman Returns era Tim Burton. Yeah. He was just going really weird. Yep. That's exactly what... That could have been really cool with this. I, yeah, I think they would have loved that. But they wanted someone with more experience, so he went off and did, of course, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Which... Earned him massive cred. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this would have done it too, but Pee-wee definitely sent him down the the road he went down, which is darker and more obscure than maybe Gremlins could have ever gotten with yeah, Steven Spielberg as a producer. That's true, because really the, the tone of Pee-wee isn't all that dissimilar, where it's like, yeah, it's a kid's thing, uh-huh. but it's also kind of dark and weird and strange. Yeah. And but, Large Marge is scary. Oh, fucking uh-huh. terrifying. That's like some of the most scared I ever was as a kid, uh-huh. that damn Large Marge scene. Yep. Holy cow. Uh, but as it is, I'm not at all complaining, because I think the, the direction and everything in the movie is exactly what it really needed to be. Yeah, it's whack. It's it's a lo- it's like Looney Tunes meets uh, It's a Wonderful Life meets Little Gremlins. Shop of Horrors. Yeah, Little yeah. Shop of Horrors. Exactly. You yeah, know? it's kind of all those things rolled into one, mm-hmm. and it does just have a wonderfully magical Christmassy feel. That that first shot that you get of uh-huh. the camera like panning over the town, which is the town from fucking Back in the Future. Yeah, it's back yeah, it's in the, the future. Set to Back to the Future with a map painting behind it meant to look like the town from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, is that what that yeah. is? Because uh, I noticed the map painting whenever I watched yeah. it again last night, and I was like, "Damn, that sure does look magical." It does. That's pretty awesome. It's great. I I love I I love to find out when sets are reused because I like to I just imagine that's the same world. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. more fun that way for yeah. sure. For sure. So this is the same. It's basically Hill Valley. But yeah, this this movie, the production of this movie is real interesting. Like, but the thing that I think is most interesting about the production is Steven Spielberg's obvious ability to pick winners. No like, doubt, man. No he, doubt. He know he knew to pick people who had shown some experience. So, you know, Dante and Chris Chris Columbus was knew he had he had done one movie that came out two months before this. Oh wow! So by the time they were in production. Those movies were probably in production at the same time. Yeah, wow. Um, but other people he picked, Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, man. Yes, dude. One of the most unsung heroes mm-hmm. of soundtrack. I mean, it's one of those things where if you know movie soundtracks, of course you know Jerry Goldsmith. But you ask your just normal you know, dude on the street, name a film composer. They're going to be like John Williams. Oh, of course. Yeah, That's John like Williams the guy. Uh-huh. But man, Jerry Goldsmith has done so many awesome soundtracks to all different kinds of movies and all different styles like orchestral stuff electronic and like synthesizer based stuff Mm -hmm. he just really knows how to write exactly what the movie needs I love his soundtrack to this movie here here are some of the movies he's done tell me (laughs) okay so Planet of the Apes the original ooh damn I didn't know he did that Chinatown uh huh The Omen oh man one of my favorites Bugenhagen won an Academy Award for The Omen he's a winner uh, Alien. Oh, damn. He did the Alien soundtrack? Poltergeist. 
Shit, that's great too. Uh, and another that I just wanted to name because I love it, L.A. Confidential. I never seen that. Oh, you haven't seen L.A. Confidential? No. Is it Jeez. awesome? Yeah, yeah. I was homeschooled. It's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that excuse works for that. Sure one. does. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Check out L.A. Confidential. But so he only won the Oscar one time. Yeah, only won one Oscar for The Omen, but he's been nominated eighteen times. Good lord, man. He's he's also won tons of other awards, but. Yeah, I mean the the movies he's done. I just I mostly put down horror movies, but if you look at the list of movies he's done, it's just like Jesus. It's all over the place. Like, he did the Burbs too. He did the Burbs, another Joe Dante film, a film oh, we'll yeah. definitely cover for this. Oh God, I the hope Burbs so. is awesome. I love the Burbs. It's great, and again, awesome soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack in this movie, you know, when you think of it, you might think of the the main Gremlins theme, uh-huh. the bum 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 bum, mm-hmm. which is really good, really it memorable, and it just sounds like mischievous and stuff uh-huh. it's really good but if you listen throughout the course of the movie there are so many variations of dun 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 mm-hmm. that he put throughout there's versions that are like slow and like ominous there's versions that are like even kind of sad sounding uh-huh. there's versions that are like more happy and upbeat it's got what i think a great soundtrack has which is tons of variations even subliminal variations on a theme and uh-huh. it kind of builds continuity throughout the film Awesome stuff. And do again, you, the, the, the fucking uh, Mega Madness song is a 10. Do you know if he's responsible for Gizmo's song or not? I am not certain. Okay. I, I, did, I read about Gizmo's song a little bit. I know that they had a young child do that. That's not even Howie Mandel because he couldn't keep that. Oh, the, little, the singing thing yeah. that he does. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith brought him in. Uh, brought in... Just actors that are perfect for the part. Even though yeah. Zach Galligan, I guess, is... I mean, he had done one thing before this. Is that young Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah, young Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. But he also brought in Corey Feldman, who had barely Felds, done anything. Dude. Yeah, he is so young in this. So young. Brings in Phoebe Cates. This is after uh, she had done... That show, God damn it, with Willie Ames from Charles in Charge. Can't remember the name of it. Anyway, know. she showed her boobs. She was 17. And there was oh, like. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, that's technically legal if the parent signs off on it. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Anyway, uh, so there was some worry from some studio heads that she was damaged goods or whatever. Damn. That's but, dark. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Um, but she's so like. Lovable and like girl yeah, exactly. ish and stuff. She's very charming. Yeah, she. I listen. I grew up with a gigantic crush on Phoebe Cates, and watching these Gremlins and Gremlins Two did not uh, dissuade me from that. As yeah. a full grown man, I am like, yeah. You, like, go, you go back and you're like, good choice, good choice, young guy. Yeah, good choice. I, but I realized that the crush I developed on her came not from Gremlins, hmm. but from Drop Dead Fred. Oh my God, is that her in that? Yeah. I remember watching, that's one of those ones, I don't know how I was able to watch when I was a kid. Uh, it must have dark. been like, yeah, it must have been like, I bet a babysitter or somebody like brought uh-huh. it over, you know, because there's no way. I loved that movie as a kid. Oh, yeah. God. Here comes the mega bitch. <laughs> I remember hearing that as a kid and being like, oh my God, I can't believe That's another bitch. one they offered to Tim Burton. Oh, really? Take. Yeah. A lot of, lot of movies Tim Burton maybe could have improved. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't know if he could have improved this movie. It would just have been a different take. Yeah, but, it just would have been different. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. But yeah, so he brought, but then he brought in like a ton of of people who had been around for a long time. Uh, Miss Deagle, 
is Polly Holiday. Okay, our, our she's, Scrooge character. Uh huh. She's Flo from Alice. She's the lady who said, "Kiss my grits." I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> should I? Should I go? Whoa! What? Yeah. Whoa! What? Whoa, what? Lynn Peltzer is McFly's grandmother. Back no to the shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. Wing, Key Luke, is the original Cato from the uh, Green Hornet film serials. Oh, wow. Those yeah. are like old, old. Yeah, 39 to 41. Holy moly, dude. We talked about this earlier, you and I. Yeah, but yeah. He, he was almost 80 in this, and they had to put old makeup on him. It's like this 80-year-old Asian guy doesn't look old yeah. enough. So the old Asian man, who was almost 80. Not old enough Not looking. old enough looking. They had to put makeup on him to make him look old. I'm so jealous of melanin. <laughs> I think, it really does make your skin stay smooth. I think all supposed white superiority is just really... It just comes from fucking pasty Anglos like us yeah. looking at all these other races and how they're not aging. Yeah. And we're like, man, fuck these people. <laughs> I think that's where it all stems from. It has to be. Just pure jealousy. Pure I, you jealousy. Know, well, it is jealousy for sure. But, yeah, absolutely so. Um. Anyway... There are a lot of other people in this, but the, Dick Miller is in so many Joe Dante films. Which Dick, Dick Miller, Miller is the one who plays uh, the, the guy who hates foreigners. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mister. Starts with the F. Futterman. Futterman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mr. Yeah. Futterman. So he's in a lot of his flicks. He's in so many. He's in the Burbs. Oh, for instance, he's in, in the Burbs. Uh, probably Mister Futterman. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he was also in a movie we've covered. Demon Knight. Was he really? Yeah, he's Willie the Drunk. Oh, damn. That's yeah. him. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I did not notice that. Wow. And I mean, I thought course, he was familiar, but... We have Mike Ehrmantraut in here. Yeah. Yeah. Which one's he? Oh, well, he's Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad. Oh, fucking Mike. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan I don't think I ever knew Banks. that was his last name. Oh, okay. What's it? Yeah. Now, what's what's the name? Uh, Jonathan. Oh, Mike Ehrmantraut. Ehrmantraut. Trout. Mm -hmm. I never knew that was his last name. Yeah, Mike is in this, and I think that like I watched the movie like a week ago, then I learned that that was Mike, and then I yeah. watched it again last night, still forgot it was Mike. But then he, when you listen to him talk, you're like, oh my god, it's totally Mike. He was in everything in the eighties. He was in Forty Eight Hours. He was in um, Beverly Hills Cop, I believe. Like, yeah, he's in so much stuff. Like. And it, all of them were background roles, kind of. like Interesting. The fact that he just s stuck out this career uh -huh. where it's just a bunch of background roles. And he had a bunch of stuff on TV, uh -huh. but like in film, just a bunch of background roles. And then like today, everybody knows him. Yeah, he's fucking Mike. Yeah. That's but awesome. Stuck it for 30 years before everybody knew his name. Yeah. It's crazy. And the casting and stuff definitely pays off because I feel like... I feel like everybody in the movie is very memorable uh -huh. and very like enjoyable and lovable. Yeah. Um, well, kind of. The dad's well, kind of a fucking asshole. Yeah. Guess what, though? That's Hoyt Axton. And guess what he wrote? What did he write? Three Dog Nights, Joy to the World. Bullshit. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah. He wrote that. He wrote that. Is he like a musician or a singer or anything? Yeah, he was a country singer slash songwriter. He what also co-wrote Heartbreak Hotel. What? Yeah. Like with fucking Elvis? With fucking Elvis. No way. Yeah. Co-wrote uh, Elvis Presley's Heartbreak Hotel with somebody else. I uh, did not know that. Yep. 
That's rad. So he's got that great voice, which is why they used him for the narrative. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. like, Joe Dante wanted him as, as the dad. So, like, uh, they used him. I think they, like, used him in the narrative to sort of sell him. Uh-huh. So, like, listen to this guy's voice. And then they're like, oh, also, we want him to be the dad. And it's like, yeah, perfect voice. Of course. Let's have him in. That is cool. Yeah. I did not know about any of that. Really neat. And tons of great voice actors. Michael Winslow. uh Police Academy. Yeah, and I, tons did, of other stuff. I didn't know this. I thought that I thought that Howie Mandel, aka Bobby's World, did all the voices. Did all the voices no, and stuff. He just does Gizmo. And so the other voices you're saying are done by yeah, they're Michael Winslow, Peter Cullen, who's Optimus Prime, fucking Optimus, Bob Prime. Holt, who was the voice of the Hulk in the TV series. Damn. And a, a number of other people who, if you if you read their names and looked at their IMDb, you'd be like, oh shit, of course I know that guy. Yeah, he was yeah. you know the voice of Porky Pig in Space Jam. That is so cool. Um, but yeah, so they just brought in all these great people and had this interesting script. Like the, When you look at this, though, in relation to other movies that came out around this time, yeah. what is this movie? Like, where does this come from? Yeah, really, right. The well, tone and everything is very kind of hard to, to yeah. pinpoint. It's like Dark Christmas wasn't a new thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we've talked about Black, Black Christmas, Christmas or even A Christmas Story, which is not... That's true. It's yeah. a dark movie, despite the fact that it's a comedy. Right. But this is just, like, so different. It's like... It is. Instead of, like, Black Christmas, it's a it's sad that people die. Mm-hmm. And this, it's like a joy to watch people get killed. Yeah. It's like a real fun time. Yeah. <laughs> And you never really hate the Gremlins. Not really. Yeah, that that is kind of an odd thing about it, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, you love Gizmo, and he's adorable. Yeah, he's absolutely the cutest. And the the Gremlins themselves are like the complete one eighty opposite of him, and they look ugly, disgusting, yeah. and slimy, and reptilian and stuff. But but you're right; they're still just a bunch of rapscallions. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, we like watching them, and the people that they kill, much like in a lot of movies, are the bad people mostly. Yeah, yeah, mostly so. we so. don't care. There's not really a ton of kills in it. There aren't really. And, like, people I assumed were killed come back in the second one. Yeah, so I was going to say. The like, Futtermans yeah. don't actually get killed somehow. Their place gets, like, snowplowed. Yeah, even though the snowplow is going right for them as the camera cuts away from them. Yeah. They bring them back for the second one. It's like, okay. Yeah, but the people they attack tend to be the bad people. Yeah, Miss Deagle. Yeah. So... It's real interesting when you think about the fact that whenever, um, say, Billy comes to the school to talk to the science teacher and the science teacher is dead, yeah, that gremlin just tries to escape Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever the mom, Billy's mom, comes down into the kitchen and the gremlins are in the kitchen, the gremlins don't try to attack her. She kind of freaks and puts the one in the blender like right away, right? Yeah, no, she's she is she's got her history of violence type backstory to her <laughs> where it's like that's a long kiss goodnight scenario. She owes some for money sure. to the gremlin mob and yeah. she was like, Oh fuck, they're They've here. They come to get me. She takes them out and they don't even try. <laughs> like, she had that look on her face like now now's the time. It's yeah. finally arrived. Yeah, just flip the switch. Absolutely so. Uh, but, Phoebe, but you're right, it's only after she attacks them that they start like throwing plates at her and yeah. stuff. Phoebe Cates is serving all of them at the bar. Yeah. Like no and no time do any of them attack her. One no. of them pulls a gun on her. One of them flashes her. And one of them flashes her his whatever. His non existent Yeah, whatever bar. is yeah. down there. Uh but like they don't 
try to kill her. No, I guess not. But no. Mrs. Deagle sure gets it. And yeah. the Futterman sure get attacked yeah. for his anti-immigrant. Uh, <laughs> what is it he hates for? He just Everything foreign. Foreigners, Anything yeah. foreign is bad to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the cops are, you know, uh, what would you say about them? They, they, they're they drunk. Inept. They're very yeah, drunk. Yeah, they're drunk the time, and inept. Yeah. They don't try. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so, yeah. Spike attacks Billy, or sorry, Stripe attacks Billy. Yeah, and that's, of course, at the very end yeah. whenever Billy is uh, Billy and Phoebe Cates have inglorious bastards all the, yeah. the gremlins in the theater. Yeah, absolutely, because inglorious bastards completely did lift that from, yeah. from gremlins. <laughs> 100%. What if instead of gremlins, they were was, Nazis? And it's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, lock What's them in a the theater. What's the difference? Fucking kill them. It's uh-huh. great. You can't feed a Nazi after midnight. No, no. absolutely not. No. You can't get them wet. Bright lights can't deal with it. Nope, they no. cannot. That's how they do. That's man. why they're always wearing masks. Mm. Not because they want to hide their face, because they know if everyone knew they were a white supremacist, nobody would want to be friends with them, because they know inherently it's a bad thing to be. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's because they're hiding from the bright light. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that explains it. So anyway, yeah, like, uh, so the gremlins in this... They, they tend to attack the bad people or attack out of necessity. Yeah. Which means that this, this movie sets up a moral compass for us to follow. And Ben, I want to tell you what it is. I want to hear about it, Steve. Break it down. Anti-capitalism, anti-libertarianism. Now, this is why you motherfuckers listen to this podcast. That's right. We're telling you guys what's going on behind the curtain with this movie. Mrs. Deagle has a cat. Two cats. One yeah. named Shekel, one named Kopek. She's got Dollar Bill as well. She She's has got three cats. She's three cats. The other one's all, a little bit more on the nose. Yeah. Dollar all named Bill. after money. She doesn't care about people. She only cares about money. She only cares yeah. about bringing more money in. She has no sight for anyone else's pain or misery. She's the, the Scrooge in the scenario for sure. She just wants and, to make money. And she just wants to kill a dog. She, man, alive. She really wants to kill that dog. That's one of those scenes that, like, when you're a kid, probably just flew over your head. But yeah. then you're like, wait, I own a dog. And if somebody, you like, threatened to take my dog and put it in a dryer on high heat. Yeah. And kill it's it nice and slow. Up. Like, good God. That's dark. Yeah, she she's a villain. Yeah. Um, uh, Judge, so she, she's a capitalist pig, obviously. She's a capitalist pig. Judge Reinhold. All, well, he's always an asshole in every movie. Uh, except for uh, Beverly Hills Cop, where he's not an asshole, just more of a dummy. And it doesn't really work. We need him to be an asshole. We do. He yeah. needs to be an asshole. He's a natural. He he says, this is Gerald, the world's changing, Peltzer. You got to be tough. And he talks about how he's going to be, in a few years, he's going to be a millionaire yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Um. And he's like capitalism's truest defender. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter that everyone else is suffering and everything is dark for everyone else. Yeah. As long as you are succeeding. Yeah, he just worries about himself thriving and so on. Now, Ben, let me tell you about someone who also believed that. Who's that? Her name's Ayn Rand. You don't say. And why would I bring up Ayn Rand? Ben, that seems so uh, strange for I, me to bring up I Ayn Rand. I thought we Rand. were talking about gremlins. We're talking about gremlins. In which there's a character named Rand. There is, actually. Uh-huh, yeah. Rand Peltzer. He's he's a libertarian to his core, and we'll talk about that in a second. But <laughs> here it is. Ayn Rand 
What is her ba- main philosophy? This I is her. I don't really know because I've not really the ever. Virtue of selfishness. Any. Okay, I've heard of this. Uh huh. Okay. She she referred to herself as a radical for capitalism. A radical for capitalism. For okay. capitalism. The idea behind Rand's whole thing is that uh, every person is the hero of their own story, and your only focus is to be that hero. Okay. And, and, uh, and some people out there are like, oh, that sounds good. Hold on. Hold on What now. she means by that is you don't care that people are starving and dying around you as long as you have food and aren't dying. Right. That's what matters. That's what matters. Now... Rand Peltzer, our failed inventor, is the epitome of libertarianism in this. I'm seeing this now that you're talking about it. Okay. He he doesn't care about his family. No, he doesn't. Most of his time in the movie is spent away from his family while terrible things are happening to them directly because of something he did. Mm -hmm. But because it's not affecting him, it doesn't matter. No. He's not going to rush home but to he, deal with any of this. Even at the end of the movie, when he finally does show up, there's yeah. not this, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I never knew this would happen. He's just kind of like, oh, well, that happened. Well, that's crazy. Huh. Huh. Yeah. It's not my problem. It's your problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that That's Randy into its core. Now, wow. here's where I think that this is exactly what they were going for, aside from the fact that there's a character named Rand and there are all of these obvious well, references to it. it out that way, it's, it's pretty on the nose. She, Rand, would refer to Immanuel Kant as a monster. Now, Steve, who's that? Immanuel Kant. Well, we won't go too far into it. I'll explain his philosophy just a little bit. But Please. The reason why I think Immanuel Kant is important here is because she called him a monster. Do you mm. know what Mogwai means? It means like demon or monster. Or monster. Yeah. yeah. In Cantonese, I think. In Cantonese. So in this, then, the Mogwai represents Immanuel Kant. Okay. The gremlins... Holy shit. ...represent the bastardizations of Kant. Okay. Kant... Here, this... I'll just say it in the simplest way because we could go on forever about what Kant believes. But basically, uh, he had a belief that perpetual peace could be secured through universal democracy and international cooperation. The exact opposite of libertarianism. Okay, yeah. The idea that we are all in this together, let's all work together for the common good. Oh, man. Okay. Now, what are the bastardizations of Immanuel Kant? Uh, National Socialism. Okay. Communism. Uh Uh-huh. Authoritarianism. All those things that people think the left are leading to. Right. That's why nobody wants universal health care, because I don't care if my grandmother dies as long as someone's not making decisions about whether or not my grandmother has health care, except for me. Exactly. Because I'm making the decision to not let her have it. Yeah, because damn it, freedom. Yeah, because freedom. So... She thinks Kant is a monster, and they think we're monsters. <laughs> the the right thinks the left are yeah, monsters of course, of course. because we want to take away individuality. Yeah, and that's what the gremlins represent. Is they all look they're, the they're, same? They're basically. a collective. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're a collective. They only consume. They only take and never give. And yeah, that's, yeah. That's the bastardization of Kant. That is the negative side that they see. So you're but, saying that's what like an uh, uh, a Rand follower would think of? Yeah. 
That's what they would think of the, a cunt of a Kantian type of person. Okay. A cunt, one might say. <laughs> so the Mogwai Gizmo. I'm rep- so on board with this. Okay, Sorry, so, I just wanted to interrupt. That. Okay. So the Mogwai Gizmo represents actual Kant. The Aww. ideal, and this is interesting because Kant believed in ideals. He believed that, like you know, the things that we see in real, like in reality. Uh, there is a, a perfect encapsulation of that thing. Mm-hmm. We, our perception, of course, distorts that. Okay. And we don't know exactly what it is, but there is some ideal there. Okay. Which goes against a lot of other philosophy. But so the Mogwai is this, it's this loving, giving thing that easily forgives and is working to try to help, etc. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, we learn that the Mogwai's final message, which we get through Mr. Wing, is this type of message. <laughs> it's like, y'all aren't ready for this. He says, you do with Mogwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready. Which is exactly wow. the point. That, that was the thing people said about communism when it was instilled in, in, uh, in Russia, mm-hmm. was that it was still in this power vacuum and everybody was vying for power and it just wasn't going to work yeah. because somebody was going to end up taking the reins and twisting it to their own ends. Yeah, gremlining it. Yes, gremlining yeah. it. And so the Mogwai represents the purity of that message. Holy shit. The gremlins represent the bastardization of that now message. See, this and is, all the people represent Rand's philosophy. This is making sense <clears throat> to me, too, because one of my big questions that I had going out of this is like, man, how come Mogwai is, is uh, Gizmo uh-huh. is so sweet and innocent and nice yeah. and all the clones of it are awful and mean and nasty uh-huh. even before they change into the reptilian yeah, form they're mean immediately as soon as they start popping out yeah, yeah they just pop out and are immediately super self-centered mm-hmm. and super just concerned with their own gain and consuming and stuff yeah. now that's why the, uh, holy the, shit that's awesome all of the reasons behind the rules i don't want to go too far into but i did i did get behind them and the, the reason with the water and getting them wet is uh the there's like folk tale about Mogwai in, in Japan that yeah, basically yeah. they come out in the rain to reproduce. Okay. But that's, it's not that they reproduce because water gets on them, but th- that's related to that. Okay. But not eating after midnight would have a lot to do with the history of the revolutions that led to the communist uprising and thing. Food basically was rationed where, and so on. Well, yeah, but yeah. also where those meetings were going on late at night. They were feeding, they were fueling the fire after midnight. And that's where the <laughs> evil comes out. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So I, I think that Joe Dante was going for a, a real strong, like, anti-capitalist, uh, mostly anti-libertarian, anti, uh, anti-Reaganomics type of, of yeah, message yeah. with this. But and also but also kind of poking fun at the at the Rand sort of isms too with the the dad and how Yeah, yeah, he poking fun at all fuck. of that. Poking fun at all of those things and saying like there there is purity and goodness in the idea that we can all work together and we should do that. Yeah. But a lot of people are gonna use that as an excuse to consume and take from everybody without regard to anyone else. But they're also yeah. going to do that in a capitalist system. Yeah, exactly. Which exactly. is what Mrs. Deagle does, which yeah. is what uh, you know Gerald does. Wow. Yeah. 
I want to watch this movie again just with that in mind. That's fucking awesome. It's real. It completely like, makes sense. It's way yeah, like this is way deeper than I ever would have thought a children's movie was going to be. And see, that's that's what happens. This is the kind of thing that we talked about with, uh, you know, The Shining, or mm-hmm. with a lot of these other movies that we talked about, where there's so many ways to look at, like The Exorcist, yeah. all these great flicks, The Witch, yeah. you know, The Witch. Woof. Oh my god, where you know you put apt filmmakers apt writers uh-huh. and stuff like this and give them a horror movie and they will give you something so multifaceted and yeah. multi-layered that that's much more than just jump scares and screams blood and guts yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, this yeah. has that it this does has, like you can still have all that and still have a fun time but also have an interesting more layered message well what's fun about it though is that it's that kind of thing that it's the kind of thing that Pixar is so good at doing, where uh-huh. you give them, yeah. you give them, you know, bright colors and animated rabbits and puppies and stuff like this for the kids, and then for the parents that are being dragged along to watch this stuff. Uh-huh. Oh man, there's some deep. They get to think about when their spouse stuff. is going to die and oh, what Jesus Christ, how many man. balloons it'll take to get their house into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most painful movie of all time. It's so sad. Up is punishing. Uh-huh. It is ultimate punishment mm-hmm. to watch that movie. My god. Yeah. That is really cool. There's there's a lot of different ways that you can watch this movie. Yeah, cuz you could totally just watch it from a kid's perspective and be oh, like, yeah. "Oh man, he got this strange creature for a present and it caused all kinds of chaos." And, and it does. And it does. Yeah. And it totally works as that. Uh-huh. But now with the description you just gave me, that absolutely completely works too. Yeah. And I really want to watch it. Like whenever I was watching the movie, especially more the second time, and I was thinking about what it's really about and um, you know, what's the message here really that this movie is about. I had some different ideas about it. I think that your your idea uh-huh. is much more sound. Okay. What is it? What but, do you got? Well, so there's so many things throughout the course of this movie that deal with an attitude that I saw growing up in the eighties. Uh-huh. Which is, and, and this might be this might be uncool to say, but I, I don't know if this is offensive or not. But how many times when you were growing up did you hear your dad or your grandpa or somebody talk about Jap crap? Yep, that was very common. rice burners. Exactly, mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. that. And again, maybe that's very offensive uh, to some people listening to this. I'm sorry about that. That's just something that I, I heard th- yeah. people say. That I think was, Jap crap might be. It might but, be. But right. Rice burner that 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 should be should be yeah but I, I still hear I it a lot. I don't think it's particularly people still call undershirts wife beaters. They wife do wife beaters. Come they on, do yeah yeah. So anyway, like that's that's an attitude that I heard growing up over and over and over and again. That things that were coming out of China, that things that were coming out of Japan, huh. were were garbage and that they were junk and only American made stuff is good. We had it. Yeah, the eighties was full of obsession with the Japanese and Japanese culture. Oh yeah. In and yeah. I mean, obviously as we grew into the nineties and the two thousands and stuff, we saw the Japanese absolutely crush us in consumer electronics yeah. and cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, if you get something and it comes from Japan, you know, it's fucking badass. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's a TV or a mm. guitar or a violin or whatever. Japanese means or it's whiskey. awesome. Like oh good my whiskey, God, though. dude. Well, they also own almost all the main distilleries in America now. Do they? Yeah, Jim Beam is Japanese owned. Dim tons of tons Japanese of them are. Yeah. coming in and taking our jobs. Yeah. And that honestly, I kind of think is a big message of what this movie is about. Okay. So, obviously we have Mr. Mr. Futterman. Uh-huh. Is our main very obvious foreigners. guy. Yeah. But but at the same time, you know, he's constantly complaining about 
how crappy stuff from overseas is and how great American stuff is. Uh-huh. But at the same time, one of the first things that we see from him is he's completely out of touch with everything. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's he, talking to Bill about he asks his about comics. Little Abner, the yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Talking to Bill about his comics, and he's like, "I want to see it next to Little Abner and something else." That yeah, I've never even heard something, of. yeah, something that. And he's like, "Those haven't been run in years." Uh huh. And this guy thinks America is the greatest, and foreign stuff is crap because he's just so fucking out of touch. Yeah, you know, it's like the world that he lives in is from Little Abner times. He's completely <laughs> out of touch, which is something I still see. Yes, pretty much everybody at parents' age uh-huh. in touch with too. You know. But so he's got this sentiment that everything that comes from overseas is garbage, right? Yeah. And what we see, you know, first thing in the movie is we have this American dude who walks into the shop and he sold this mystical treat from the Far East, right? Uh-huh. He's like, oh, a gift. Yeah. I will give this as a gift. I'll purchase this. Uh-huh. And also, by the way, it's a... It's not the old Chinese, you know, mystical-looking man that sells it. No, it, it's the kid. It's yeah. this very Americanized yeah. Asian kid wearing a New York hat. Yeah, like short round. To him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. very much. Which I mean, that that is obviously an Easter oh, egg obviously. reference to short round. Which, Absolutely so. Uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom came out just two months before, so yeah. Steven Spielberg was pumping to Joe Dante like, "Yeah, put him in a New York Yankees cap. It'll yeah. make sense." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he buys this this trinket from the Far East. Uh-huh. He brings it home for Christmas. Of course, you know, uh, Christmas being such a symbol of commercialism in America. Yeah. And these things that he got from the Far East proceed to wreak havoc and infiltrate uh, every okay. aspect of his home and his life, right? And break everything. And that they do. Yeah. And also, too, with Rand being the inventor guy... We get uh-huh. an idea of what Americans are actually producing, which is garbage. Crap. Garbage. The stuff Bad that he makes fucking that doesn't don't work. work. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got guys like Futterman who are still thinking American stuff is the best, when in reality... Yeah, we're being shown it's not. Yeah, we're making absolute garbage. Yeah, and even his Kentucky harvestry was bragging about earlier breaks down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's very clear messages about what's working and what isn't. And I think that you could watch this movie for a lot of it and see that, you know... The, the invasion of our turf is going to come in the form of commercialism. Uh huh. Is going to com- come in the form of marketed goods and stuff. Yeah. I don't even think that it's a coincidence that the final showdown in the movie between Bill and and Stripe, uh huh, it happens in a department store. It does. And it's nothing but like toys uh-huh. and like sporting goods and all this stuff that would be eventually made overseas. Yeah. I think that it's showing that the the fear that. I think a lot of Americans in the 80s were having should have been coming from we're going to be invaded in the form of commercialism right. and sold goods and stuff. And w- like it's also true that in in the movie world America ha- is moving from that manufacturing economy to the service-based economy that yeah. we basically uh have have been in for the past 30 years where we're not making anything. We're not innovating in any way. We we just have people who are the intermediaries between you and the product you want. Yeah. You tell them what you want, they get it for you, and you give them money. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and even all the Americans, too, if you think about it, like you said, they're all clearly just obsessed with greed and making money. Uh-huh. And even the, even the dad, Rand, is like, oh, I could sell these things and make a fortune. Yeah. Even when he's coming home, like... 
and and at home his wife has just had to kill four gremlins or whatever yeah he when he stops at the gas station still takes the time to try to sell his smokeless ashtray that apparently creates more smoke somehow yeah <laughs> that i didn't really understand yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. So basically, I, I guess what I'm saying that, that the total sum of the story is, is that through our love of consumerism and buying shit uh-huh. and buying toys and buying presents and having big Christmas and stuff like that, we are going to allow an invasion to happen on our own turf. That's the, that's the impression I got out of the movie. So this movie saw the future. Yes, absolutely yeah. so. I think it really, really, really did. In the second one, there's a Trump analog character who's... No shit. Uh, yeah, he's basically a combination of, of Trump and somebody who's charming. <laughs> so not, not him. Not him, yeah. <laughs> his, name is, his name is like Crump or Crimp or something. It's <laughs> like on the so nose. very clear Holy that it's supposed cow. to be Trump. But, you know, can I and offer... And he is the, he is, he's both the cause of problems and somehow solves them. Can I offer up a third <laughs> theory about this? Uh-huh. Because, you know, you watch this movie and you're like, damn... What is this magical creature? What is this? Where did it come from? I can tell you. Where did it come from? So, it's hidden in plain sight, Steve. Oh, no. Right there at the very first of the movie. I shit you not. I noticed this a second time. Uh When we get that long panning shot of the town, Mm -hmm. you got Billy walking through the town with his dog walking behind Mm -hmm. him. He says hi to somebody on the street. Dr. Moreau. He says hi, Dr. Moreau. He does. Yep. Mm. Okay. So this is a prequel or a sequel to I Love Dr. Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Dr. So, Moreau probably survived this and afterwards was yeah. like, I have a new passion in life. Yeah. Figuring out what the fuck this is. And also he was like, it's cold there. I need to go to warm island. I need island. to go to an island, but like a warm island, not a cold island. Yeah, exactly. Not like Iceland. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Warm island. A warm island. <laughs> so yeah, so there's the doctor theory too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, like, I didn't, I thought, because like, Honestly, the past maybe month, month and a half of uh, shows, yeah. I haven't, I haven't been able to find what I thought was a, a pretty clear line running through a movie that yeah. had something this deep. And we both came up with something regarding economic issues. Yeah, totally. In the eighties, in the like that's growing what this consumerism. Is, I think that's what this is considerably about. Like yeah. there's there's not much hidden here other than this is about consumerism and capitalism and how you know, uh we we will eventually destroy ourselves through this way of living. Yeah, through greed basically. Through greed. Yeah. yeah. I think that is absolutely what is going on here. And it it, it was prophetic. It was absolutely true. Yeah, and it was right. It was, it right. was absolutely right, too, man. That's, wow. Way to go. Pretty cool. Look Way at to us. Go, yeah. Look at us. I like your ideas. I want to watch the movie, though, again, thinking of everything that you talked about. Yeah. I think that makes it so much fucking cooler. It is interesting. I And I, like, obviously, um, I, I'm not going to say I know Kant, uh, considerably like I, I, i've read kant mm-hmm. not enough to say i'm any sort of expert i'm just saying in comparison kant and Re- ayn rand are on different ends of the spectrum sure sure and ayn rand specifically called him a monster which i think does inform yeah because they're literally is. monsters and yeah that's awesome man yeah. and i'll tell you what those monsters look fucking awesome they do the special effects and i this love flick yeah, are the, great 
Some of them are puppets. Some of them are marionettes. Yeah. One so scene one is claymation. Yeah. That, that, stop motion. That yeah, didn't look great. It's the only one that doesn't hold up, I think. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look fantastic. But all the other animatronics and stuff, especially of little, uh, of little Gizmo. Yeah. There are so many points of articulation on his face that give him so many different facial expressions. They're fucking adorable. The one, the second one is even better. Really? Yeah. Even more wow. adorable. Yeah. I like too that it's probably about an hour into the movie before you see a gremlin, like in the green nasty yeah. form. Long wait for the reveal. Those uh, gremlin eggs are real gross. Yeah, they and are. And then the gremlins themselves. Yeah. And then when that gremlin gets microwaved. Oh, man. Good God. It looks great, dude. It's so good. I love at the very end of the flick, too, whenever we got the stuff with, with Stripe, like melting and then like the skeletal gremlin coming out of the fountain. That's good. It looks awesome. Yeah. And then when it when the skeleton like falls to the ground and just kind of like dissolves, uh-huh. that effect is rad. I it don't is. I don't quite know how they did that. Magic. It looks awesome. They probably yeah, this, set this, a spell. It, oh, an incantation. Yeah. This movie is really movie magic. It's one of those where yeah. you watch it and you kind of forget that you're watching mm-hmm. little puppets and what yeah. you're saying isn't real. It's very it does, good. That never really crosses my mind when watching Gremlins. Well, that these are puppets. As a kid, yeah, there's no way you could have differentiated. No, you know, you just assume it's on TV. It can't be fake. Yeah, they got some little monsters, put them in a movie. <laughs> Must have. Yeah, yeah. So special effects in this are fucking awesome. See, what do you think about the rules? Of the Mogwai, of the Gremlins. I want to hear your thoughts on this because, well, of course, we all know the three rules. Yeah. No bright lights, don't feed them after midnight, mm-hmm. don't get them wet. Mm-hmm. But there's there's some issues with those rules, Steve. Tell me what you think about those. Okay. Well, there are the obvious issues that come up in um, Gremlins 2, which is about the midnight. Like, what what is midnight to them? Mm. Like, Okay, yeah. Like, if that's, you cross that's my time question. zones... Yeah. Well, because obviously, being that 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 Gizmo, we assume, comes from the Far East, right? And he's over here. Well, that means he experiences local midnight. Mm-hmm. You know, because Chinese midnight would be way, way, way different than but American midnight. Time zone lines are just artificial. Yeah, they're imaginary lines yeah. that we created, so they it, do acknowledge them. I mean, because if he's in one time, if if Gizmo's say in one time zone on the border of Arizona, yeah. Arizona doesn't recognize daylight savings time. Oh my god, that becomes extremely. So you difficult. go into yeah. daylight, <laughs> you're like you're in the same time zone. It's midnight. Then you go there, and it's not midnight. Like, yeah. What if you straddle them? What if you stand with one foot in each? Yeah. <laughs> what if What if you're eating at like ten o'clock, uh-huh. and then after midnight he notices there's like a little piece of a, a, a broccoli or something stuck in between his teeth. He sucks that down. Boom. Yeah. Now is he eating after midnight? Uh huh. They're hard they questions. Made, yeah, they could have made it like... Don't uh, feed them after dark. Don't feed them anything but lemons. Mm. That's the only thing they eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they eat anything but a lemon. It's like, okay, yep, that's clear. Or, I mean, like I said, just don't feed them when it's dark. There you go. That's easy. Cause don't they, feed them after dark. Because after midnight, okay, until when? They let it all hang out. Yeah, they well, as they do. Yeah. But then it's after midnight until when? Because tons of animals hibernate in the winter, so they'd be yeah. eating less in the winter. No okay. big deal. Yeah, that works. Okay. That works. But yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The bright light thing, yeah, is just there to have something to kill them with. Pretty much. But yeah. yet nobody thinks maybe I just shine a flashlight at these fuckers. 
Flashlight would be the best weapon against these things. <laughs> they do that in the second one. No shit. Yeah. Damn it. They thought of all these things. They had six years in between the first one and the second one. That's pretty awesome. But the one thing that they didn't fix for the second one or didn't even really address is that uh, Stripe walks in the snow. Yeah, he does. Snow is water. They also drink beer. They also drink beer. Which beer is, is quite water. wet. I yeah. just had some. It was damp. Hold on. Let me try that. Check it out. Check it out. See what you think. What's the dampness report there? 100%. 100% That damp. is damp. Yeah. yeah. Very humid inside that cup. Mm-hmm. So if they're <laughs> drinking beer, these things ought to be popping off clones yeah. left and right. But they're not. They I don't, don't understand. Yeah. yeah. The the rules are too murky. A little bit. But then too specific. Yeah. Like <laughs> oddly specific, oddly murky. <laughs> really is yeah it's a good way to put that stuff but it does lead to some fun stuff that uh that bar scene like you said where phoebe cates is is serving them for reasons yeah it's just a looney tune scene where like they're just doing gags yeah yeah and they're smoking multiple cigarettes yeah one of them's got like four cigarettes at once and yeah pure debauchery then we have the the (laughs) the dance from uh what is that movie? Flash, Flash Dance. Dance. Yeah, with the awesome soundtrack. With, yeah, Mega Madness. Uh-huh. Like, each one of those things, it's like, how would they know about this? That's a good question. How also, where did they get little tiny gremlin-sized leg warmers? There's a lot of little gremlin-sized <laughs> things that pop up. They're playing a little tiny arcade machine. Oh, yeah. Impossible that technology would have existed <laughs> back then. Uh, he has a little tiny gremlin crossbow. That's true. There's a lot of just little That, that may have been a kid's things. crossbow. You never know. You need uh, Jimmy needs him a crossbow, uh-huh. you know. Remember your first crossbow. <laughs> Everybody remembers their first crossbow. Everybody does. Yeah. That was that was almost on my Christmas list. <laughs> almost, yeah, my first one for hunting boar. Yeah, not my second or third one, just my mm-hmm. first one. That bar scene is really fun. The theater is. scene is really fun when they're yeah. in there just acting a fool. Uh-huh. And there's so many, like especially like in the theater scene. I see how it'd be easy to kind of. Uh, you know, basically copy and paste those mm-hmm. multiple exposure. Yeah. But in the bar scene, there's clearly a lot of puppeteers yeah. and stuff working their asses off making this stuff happen. I mean, there's a reason people do this stuff with CG now. It's because it's way easier. It's way easier. Yeah. You have fewer people involved, but it, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's like, not as magical, man. It's not as magical, and you're not really saving money. No. And this, they have to get creative with the camera shots. Like, yeah. Because they can't just show these things walking around. Like, uh-huh. dude, do you remember when you were a kid and you saw, I think it's in Muppet Christmas Carol, the first time you saw Kermit walking? Yeah, and it's it was weird. like, what the fuck? He just sits. Yeah, exactly. That's he not just kind of hangs out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Kermit sits, damn it. <laughs> not my Kermit. <laughs> Make Kermit sit again. <laughs> but it really does force them to be way more creative and stuff and you can really see you know all that that marionette and puppetry work and stuff on display especially in those two scenes yeah well ben i think we have to talk about the perhaps darkest moment in this entire movie the phoebe kate Phoebe Cates telling the story of her father going missing around Christmas time. Yes. And then they discover his dead and rotting corpse dressed up as Santa Claus. Holy shit. In the chimney. And that's why they thought maybe Tim Burton. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they thought, who could we get that could deal with this death and somehow make it funny? They really wanted to take that out of the movie. Yeah, Steven Spielberg didn't like it, but Joe Dante thought it was like the the heart of the movie, like that it was the message of the movie in some ways. It's dark and twisted. Yeah. 
I honestly though, man, it's a weird beat in the movie. It is. It's strange. Like I like I like really dark humor and stuff like that. Yeah. I do, but that's I don't know where the humor comes in there. It really just really seems either. like just a dark, sad story, and it's like, well, that's why she doesn't like Christmas. And also, like, it doesn't have fuck all to do with the story. At all. Like it's not no. like at the end of the movie she's like, and now I love Christmas. Or or if she was like but turns out a gremlin killed him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Twisterama, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really contribute to anything. I think it could have been cut and it wouldn't have been a big deal. No, absolutely. Okay. But you know, there's there's kind of some loose ends in this movie, honestly. Like Yes. Uh, I think I heard that the original running time was much longer and yeah. included a lot more stuff with Miss Deagle and with Judge Reinhold. Yeah, the Miss Deagle storyline really just goes from like, oh, yeah, she's terrible. Oh, kill her. And then, yeah, yeah, Judge Reinhold, it's like, oh, he's terrible, and he's gone. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, the Judge character is pretty pretty non-existent. He's there to enforce those those capitalistic ideas and stuff like Mm. you're talking about. But, uh, again, really probably could have just been nicked from the movie. Yeah. And it it wouldn't really have mattered No, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, but it was... uh, they wouldn't have taken him out simply because of the connection between this and, and uh, Fast Times, I would guess. I guess so. Yeah. Wait, did Fast Times come out before this or uh, after? I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not really sure about that. We, mm-hmm. need to, we need to fact check on yeah. that one. What do you think about Bill? How the fuck old is Bill? I don't know. <sighs> well, in the original, he was supposed to be a little kid. So he, he and Corey Feldman would have had a lot more... Screen time together. I should think, yeah. But then um, they were, you know, thinking of aging him up to have maybe a love story with Phoebe Cates. Okay. And so they they decided with Zach Galligan, but then they didn't change enough about him to make him seem like an adult. Or maybe give him a friend who's yeah. his age? Yeah, if Corey Feldman had been... Somebody who, I don't know, worked at a store next to him or something. And he's but, like, what's hey, up? You know, at the same time, maybe the fact that Corey Feldman is in here as a child who is working the whole movie. Uh-huh. Maybe that's another one of those, like, libertarian fucking <laughs> imagery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just like, like yeah, you, unregulated fucking whoever. Yeah, yeah get a job, children kid. should have to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even this, you know, man-child guy yeah. works at a bank. Yeah, he does. So maybe there's just he, money he making symbols everywhere. He sneaks his dog in. He does that, and nobody seems to know about it. I don't guess so. That's weird. It's a I mean, odd. it's it's not weird that everybody should be allowed to have their dog at work. Yeah, sure. Especially if it's like a violent Molly type of dog. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, like, hey, you know who that dog is? Who it is? Oh, dude. What? That dog is our motherfucking boy Mushroom that was in Pumpkinhead. That's the dog from Pumpkinhead. Yeah, dude. Think about Say it. Say what? It's the same fucking dog. Same dog? Uh-huh. His name's Mushroom. Dude, Look it that's up. awesome. I know. That dog is like horror royalty. <laughs> Pretty badass. That's really cool. Best horror dog of all time? Mushroom. Mushroom. 100%. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, man. Yeah, but the whole kind of relationship between Bill and Corey Feldman, who's like six years old or something. Yeah, well, he's, strange. he's actually 13, I think. Uh, six this. going on 13. But yeah, Corey Feldman was always a, a small guy. But yeah, like, it's still 13. Yeah, you an adult shouldn't be hanging out with a 13-year-old. And at the same time, I would think, like, if you're old enough to have, like, a, a serious job working at a bank or something like that, he's oddly 
kind of childlike at yes. home and stuff. He's like, his dad, dad can him I pick him up? Yeah. yeah. He's like, can I hold him? It's like, yeah, how old are odd. you? It is odd. Like, it, we live in a day and age where it's really not odd for uh, grown adults to be living with their parents because of economic situations. Because it's and expensive things. as fuck. It's almost impossible to... It, well, it is absolutely impossible to live on minimum wage oh, it's and have an impossible. apartment. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. Sure. Um, it's not that odd. But in the 80s, it was a, it was a little bit more strange, especially yeah. for someone with a full-time job yeah, to exactly. also be living with his parents. And they're not like... Like, his mom doesn't need his help or anything. No. Maybe because his dad's always gone, he's there to keep her company? I guess. I don't know. I don't really know. His but mom it, doesn't need help because she's a stone-cold killer. She's, yeah. Like, she she used to be in the Russian mob, and they came across some gremlin gang. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty fucking sure. I mean, earlier... We, she was like, kiss my grits. <laughs> Dude, when that scene starts in the kitchen... Yeah. I mean, dude. At first, at first, she's kind of doing silly, uh, you know, women in movie stuff where she's killing them using kitchen appliances. Yeah, but then that's, she, yeah, well, I, I like that's just yeah, that's got to go at some point. Like, I don't, I don't think it's as common now, but the idea that women use kitchen appliances to, I mean, kill. Lori Strode did hit Michael Myers with a frying pan in that new Halloween. She did true. do that. She did. Although I will maintain that that one. was badass. It was badass. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty cool then. But yeah, then like she grabs a knife and just stone cold murders that one. Yeah, she's like, stabbed. here's a living creature that's even speaking some English. Uh huh. What the fuck ever? I'm killing it. Yeah. Stone you, cold shanks it. You, you're gonna get uh, blended up. You're gonna get microwaved. You're just gonna get stabbed a fucking death. That one's cold. Yeah, it is cold. She grabs what like they, two knives. What if at they one point. played it like that scene in uh, Saving Private Ryan, where she was like trying to stab him, and like they're fighting each other, yeah. and then there's a guy in the corner crying. He's just like, "Oh shit!" Sh- 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 Instead, you just him. get like Joe Pesci shanking that guy yeah, in the trunk of that car. She's all business. She doesn't hesitate even for a second. Just like Joe Pesci. Yeah. So she obviously has a past. Yeah. She does. She's got to, like, cause she, yeah, there's no hesitation in her. No, none of that, like, automatic fear that, you know, is, is traditionally thrust on female characters, especially. Oh, yeah, no. Prior, there's there's where no she shrieking and standing on a chair. And running out. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. None of that. She's, pro- she is the biggest badass in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, she yeah. actually kills a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. With her bare hands. Yeah. <laughs> You know, with her goddamn bare hands. But you know, her reaction to the gremlins kind of goes along with everybody else's, where it's nobody's like, really that oh, impressed. What is this? Yeah. All right. Like even whenever uh, thing I've never seen or heard of. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Here's an animal I never heard of or seen, and yeah. it's speaking English and, and talking to me insane. Very frightening looking. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Uh, I don't know. No big deal. Like even whenever Corey Feldman like sees Gizmo for the first time, he's like, uh-huh. "Hey, what's that?" Huh. Uh-huh. And he's like reading a comic book. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know. That's that's pretty wild. It's very impressive. It's an undiscovered, extremely intelligent, <laughs> yes. sentient animal. I would have every question in the world. Yeah. And How nobody did, has any did, questions about it. What the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit. I, I do think people could have been maybe a little bit more impressed. A little impressed. more impressed. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. But this did inspire a legion. Oh, yeah. Of knockoffs, man. There well, was like a legacy of 
Some good, some bad. Yeah, here's the thing that I discovered because I wanted to talk about this. So I did some research on it. And like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, ghoulies, uh, critters. Yeah, uh, critters is an obvious one, yeah. You know, uh, what else was there? Munchies. Oh, yeah, munchies, yeah. And so I started researching those movies just to make sure, like, yeah, this is a ripoff. What I found out was ghoulies was in production before Gremlins. Oh, no kidding. Critters was written before Gremlins. Oh, wow. So it was just sort of in the zeitgeist at the time. Some huh. like creatures. Yeah, creature yeah, features. yeah. Now, both of those movies came out after Gremlins. Ghoulies actually did some retooling to not be too much like Gremlins. And then Critters, honestly, if you've seen Critters, the similarity to Gremlins is very minuscule it's that yeah. they're both ugly weird creatures yeah ugly little yeah. weird creatures that are puppets or animatronic but that's m- about it really munchies is a stone cold ripoff uh roger corman who yeah. by the way brought us uh, joe dante and tons of other great directors yeah, tons of people. roger corman his entire business model was always make cheap easy B horror movies that will make enough money that I can buy the distribution rights for Kurosawa films and other foreign films and right. spread yeah, them yeah. in America. Um, and so he was like, let's do a gremlins ripoff. And they got the editor for gremlins to come oh, in shit. and direct it. Really? Yeah. Bettina Hirsch. So I didn't know that. And if you've ever seen munchies and I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but if you've ever seen munchies, I would say tasteful ripoff interesting tasteful ripoff still a ripoff and still a t- terrible b movie yeah but i think they they went uh they went ridiculous with it like sure. if we're gonna rip it off let's just be stupid kind of like gremlins yeah. too yes there's also um some people say troll is a, a ripoff the original okay. troll. yeah 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 now i can kind of see troll 2 a uh-huh. little bit maybe being a ripoff but the original troll is much more of a fantasy film than right. it is a horror film and has far more fantasy and also has a character named Harry Potter in it. Uh, what? JK, you stole that. <laughs> she what? did. She did watch it. Um, but yeah, like there, there are still a ton of obvious, like people obviously stealing from gremlins, but the one that is also a pure ripoff and is also an outright piece of shit is hobgoblins. Hobgoblins. Hobgoblins was done on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Okay. Uh, and one of the uh, producers said that it shot up his list as worst movie of all time. Holy shit. And he's, he's worked on Mystery Science Theater 3000. So it, it's real fucking bad and just an outright ripoff and real shitty. So, yeah, but this spawned a whole bunch of movies that are similar. Yeah. Or, you know... Also uh, built on the burgeoning comedy horror. uh, Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 80s was full of comedy horror uh, by the mid to late 80s. Once all the sequels started rolling in. Yeah, and even even like Friday the 13th and and, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street just started becoming funny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny that like Halloween waited so long to try to get... Yeah. Kind of silly. Like, it really honestly wasn't until, like, Resurrection. Yeah. It was like, maybe we try the funny thing. Uh-huh. God. It didn't work. No. Ooh. Also, a lot of those serious Halloween sequels They're funnier don't, than don't the, work the at one all. that tried to be funny. Th- there's that, too. <laughs> the fact that 
<laughs> Paul Rudd is in a serious like I I couldn't deal with Paul Rudd playing a serious role and having all the information. It's not his thing. Yeah. No. He's it's not his thing. Not not him, no. Steve, I really like this movie. I'm glad that I have overcome my my childhood ultra fear of the gremlins. I was so fucking scared of these things as a kid. I would seriously have to leave the room or cut out the pages in magazines where there are photographs of them. I was mortified by them. And honestly, even now, like they, they still do creep me out a little bit. They really do. Yeah. And again, I, I didn't watch this movie as a kid. I know there's a lot of these flicks that people love because they watched it when they were a kid, you know? Yeah. I didn't. So it's like I'm only seeing this as a as a grown up as a grown ass man. As a grown ass man. And I can tell you it's it's great. It's a really, really well done movie. It's not necessarily that super scary, but I don't think that's what it was going for. So I don't, I don't even want to criticize it for that. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was trying to be I think it was trying to scare kids. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And not it's adults. And it's at a good threshold for that. Yeah. It is at a level where, yeah, little kids would, would probably be scared by it, but still have enough fun uh watching it that they can handle it. Yeah, and the hero wins in the end, and the hero happens to be a cute and cuddly little thing. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Man, when he's riding around in that little Barbie car, adorable. <laughs> adorable. adorable. Like, even earlier when he's just watching the guy racing on the screen, and he's like, boom. Oh, oh, man. So cute. It's great, dude. And it's full of all kinds of fun stuff for the grown-ups watching it. Like you said, all the, all the capitalist uh-huh. themes, I think, are so I don't know how so many adults have caught those. <laughs> I kind of wonder too, honestly, <laughs> but that's totally what it's about. Yeah, absolutely, what it's about. It's great, and as well as all the Easter eggs and stuff, it's, oh, yeah, it's full full of, it. full of references to other, especially yeah. like Spielberg flicks yeah. and other classic flicks uh-huh. from from the past and stuff. It is chock a block. Yeah, tons of stuff. If you don't recognize it, just look at a list. Like, just look up a list of Easter eggs of. Uh, uh, gremlins and just see how many like so many scenes with so much just thrown in there so yeah. much referential uh, and interesting stuff yeah well worth looking at definitely so i like it it's it's really fun it's not too long no it's nice and christmassy it is without being too syrupy sweet about oh the meaning of christmas is love <laughs> or jesus or anything like that yeah never touches any of that I don't think there's really any Jesus stuff at all in no, this No, there is none whatsoever. Yeah, I just thought about that. That is nice for a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. no kidding, right? I, I dig it, man. I think that this is one that I'll definitely watch many more times. Uh-huh. I liked it way more than I remembered. I think it had been a long time since I watched this, but watching it for the show and paying close attention to it and seeing how much detail there is in a lot of the stuff, I really enjoyed it. I think I'm going to toss this thing... Uh, I think this is, a, this is an 8 out of 10. All right. I really like it. I like it a lot. This is definitely one you can show your kids. Yeah. Uh, depending on age. Actually, I don't know if it even depends on age. I don't know. I don't know that anything in this is any less wacky than something you might see in a cartoon. So despite the fact yeah. that as an adult, you can see how it's disturbing. As a kid, you're just like, oh, that's just silly. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is definitely one you can show your kids um, and should watch around christmas with your family it's a fun teach them kids about capitalism teach some kids Greed. about how ayn rand uh sucks consumerism and her stupid philosophies have created so much of the economic and uh terrible capitalist issues that we're dealing with right yeah, now pretty much thanks to of course paul ryan and rand paul 
<laughs> you just pissed off a lot of people. Uh, oh, and Mitch McConnell, fuck him yeah, as fuck well. Him for yeah, for sure. Yeah. Shithead. You know, I, I, really, I can't think of a, a Republican that I would trust with an egg. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, well, you probably did, but some of you out there maybe had to take care of an egg for a, a school project or Not something. Not homeschool, I didn't. If I guarantee you, if you handed a Republican politician an egg, you'd turn back around and ask him for the egg, and he'd say, "You didn't give me egg, an egg, but you promised me twenty eggs. Where are my fifty <laughs> eggs, so I can take these hundred eggs out of here and go home with my twelve thousand eggs that you said you were going to give me?" Also, the poor are the problem. <clears throat> anyway, so I don't know what I was talking about. This movie's great. Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yep. Fair enough, man. A, a Christmas tradition to watch with the fam. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Now, next week's, we're going to be covering what? Rare Exports. Yay! It's that movie you've been telling me to watch for like two yeah. years. And I think you're going to love it. And if you don't, that'll be fun, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll definitely be a good time. Is it streaming anywhere right now? Uh, it should be it. on Shutter or uh, Amazon, okay. maybe. I, haven't, I didn't look. But it, it has been on Shutter, Amazon in the past. I'm looking forward to checking that out sometime real soon. You guys be sure to rate and review this podcast on iTunes if you have enjoyed what you heard. It takes us hours and hours, hours. to make this show. It's true. It takes you seconds and seconds. Seconds, just seconds. Just to write a review on iTunes. Please do that. We're close to 100 reviews. I would love to see it get to 100 by the end of the year. So Me y'all, too. y'all got a couple weeks to make that happen. So please be sure to do that. Steve, where can they follow us on the social medias? Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram gram, and gram, Twitter. Gram. Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Dead and Lovely Horror Group, group, group. on Facebook. Book, book, book. And you can email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Come, 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 come. As always, you guys have been absolutely fantastic. We have been dead and, and huh? Dead and hell, yeah, and lovelier and shit. Okay, yeah, that's us. That's us. Bye that's bye. us. Good night.